Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Kevin, I would like to know this. Of the time that you and I have done this show together, how long have we done this show together? What, uh, 19 months? Is that right? Yeah, I was going like to say, probably two years in the fall. So, in that time period, is there anything, and, I, and I've probably said some things before on this show where you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But in the annals of dumbest thing you've ever heard on this program from me, and I did not say this, but had I said to you back in April, you know, at the All-Star break, the Reds are going to be leading the NL Central. You'd have, that would have taken the cake, right? Yeah, I, I would like to have thought you weren't dumb, but, you know, again, I'd be lying to our audience if I said <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, I shocked, stunned. Uh, check all those boxes. Yesterday's loss won nothing to the Reds. They are up one game on the Brewers at the All-Star break. It was one of those losses. It's like, at least they're going to have these next four days to bask in the glory. Because then they play the Brewers coming out of the break, and if you're a Reds fan, you're just assuming sweep, and then you're assuming the season's over. Or you're assuming sweep them and let's go wire to wire. Yeah, that's that's eternal optimist right there. But (laughs) uh, yes, the MLB All-Star break is here. Home Run Derby, you can hear that on our airwaves coming up tonight. 8 o'clock, the All-Star game tomorrow. And, you know, we, we said this Friday to kind of close out the show. This is probably the quietest time of year for sports, it, particularly when you're in this market, when you don't have a Major League Baseball team. But even if you are a fan of, you know, one of these handful of teams that's a couple hours away, uh, this is very, very quiet. We do have some summer league chatter to get to. The Pacers back on the floor tonight, so we'll make sure... To do that. Good Monday morning to you. It felt great, honestly, walking to the car this morning. Not the humidity that I felt like was there last week. So it should be a nice day here in Indianapolis. Thank you for tuning in to Kevin and Query. Speaking of baseball, I would say last night from a local interest, the news item of note there was Franklin, Indiana's own Max Clark being chosen third overall by the Detroit Tigers. So he becomes the Second player, I should say the second highest drafted high schooler uh, from the state of Indiana straight to Major League Baseball. Pat Underwood in the 70s went number two overall out of Kokomo. That was also to Detroit, wasn't it? I think that is right, yeah. Now that you say that, yeah. Um, so Max Clark went LSU 1, LSU 2. I know there, there, there were some rumors about um, potentially Max Clark going number one overall. I think more of a financial element to that. Uh, but he goes to the Detroit Tigers there at three. Very cool, actually, for a, a guy that played multiple sports in high school. Um, and by all account, I mean, I don't know the young man, but by all account, really nice young guy. And, you know, I think of the three, obviously, of the three major sports being selected towards the top of the draft and having that equate to success at the highest level, baseball's the hardest, for sure. There are just so many levels, so many things. It'll be interesting to see what his rise is, which level he starts in. You know, we talked earlier, Kevin, last week about the fact that one of the things I've always found fascinating is in talking to players of the Indianapolis Indians, for example, 
at which level is the jump the smallest? Like, which one is the closest to the next level up? And most of them said the biggest jump is double-A AA to triple-A. And then from triple-A to the majors is literally just a sliver of a difference and sometimes just an opportunity, right? Um, but it'll be fun to watch his journey and, and see where he, you know, when he ends up in the bigs or if he makes it to the bigs, you never know, but be fun to watch nonetheless. And certainly very cool for Central Indiana to have somebody in the top five. Um, how about Ellie De La Cruz stealing three bases? Yeah, did you see my shirt? I got my Ellie shirt. Finally came in the mail after about three three weeks. I mean, you know, I, I thought it was fitting when Ellie De La Cruz... I was very happy. Maddie was not too happy. On, that was on Saturday, right? Was it Friday or Saturday? Saturday, when had... yep. Mm-hmm. So he steals second. There was an, an off pitch, and then he steals third, and then... Yeah, this is all in the same inning. He just caught... It was all in the same at bat, right? Yeah. He caught the the pitcher. You know, what's interesting is that, for those that are unfamiliar, if you're not familiar with it, like I said, De La Cruz gets on base, steals second, there's an off pitch, then he steals third in the next pitch, and then after he steals third, the third baseman throws it back to the pitcher. The pitcher was kind of caught. The, the camera changes, and it's showing De La Cruz, so you don't see what's going on on the mound. And I'm like, did he turn around? Is he Was he adjusting his belt? Like, what happened? De La Cruz sees an opportunity and goes for it and steals home. But I still don't know exactly where the ball was when he d- decided to take off. But nonetheless, the announcer saying the most electrifying player in baseball, and I thought that that is dead on. And it's high praise because I think Shohei Otani um, certainly can you know check a box from an entertainment value that we haven't seen in Major League Baseball in quite some time. But night in, night out, De La Cruz has already shown that he does something that you just are uh, really a bit in awe of. Uh, the Reds had a great interview with their third base coach after the game. And he mentioned that when De La Cruz swiped third, and as you said, Jake, there was no third baseman covering the base. So it was a pretty easy steal of third. He goes over to kind of give De La Cruz a high five, and De La Cruz like brushes him off, like doesn't even acknowledge him. And he's thinking to himself, "Man, I've, you know, typically <laughs> all the guys at least will give me some sort of, you know, high five or fist pound or whatever to acknowledge, like, hey, good job. You know, here I am on third. Let me dust myself off and regather, recharge the batteries, if you will. And right at that moment, he said to himself, "I knew he was up to something." He wasn't satisfied with 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 that. He clearly sensed that there was some sort of extra thing he could do, and obviously in that moment, he was able to pull that off in the steal of home. Uh, so yes, the Reds do lose the series to the Brewers, their first road series loss, I think in two months, uh, but De La Cruz continues to electrify him. Now tonight, we'll get the Home Run Derby, and again, Ellie De La Cruz declined his invitation for the Home Run Derby. Um, home run derby dunk contest. Which one do you care about more? Undoubtedly, the dunk contest. Although, allow me to. I think the dunk contest has turned into just an awful product. Unpopular opinion here. As I was just going to say, the dunk contest is living off of its laurels, and it's anymore. It's like this is terrible. They had a G Leaguer win it last year. But the home run derby. I mean, the Home Run Derby, I guess, is still... Pre- the Home Run Derby, to me, and I I have great respect for this broadcaster, and in my few encounters with him, he was as kind as anybody I've ever come across in broadcasting. 
But Chris Berman in the early years ruined the home run thing to me. I mean, just every oh, back, 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 God, oh. it, dude, it's a home run derby. Like they're supposed to be hitting home runs. They're, they're not hitting off-speed sliders from Randy Johnson in the bottom of the ninth here. Their their dad's pitching to them. Um, I, I think the home run derby is it is super cool and it's unbelievably impressive what they do. But I have to admit, Kevin, to me, after the first round or two, I'm kind of like, uh, okay, I feel like I've kind of seen it all at this point. Yeah, I, I'm glad at least it has a little bit more name recognition than the dunk contest. That, I mean, that's the dunk contest has turned into like, okay, which, no doubt. which Glenn Robinson the third on an NBA team can compete? Well, I think the dunk contest has been overtaken by the three-point contest now. All the stars are in the three-point contest. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, I mean, last year's three-point contest especially had a ton of stars yeah. in it. And I mean, you, you still have the Mookie Betts of the world and, you know, Julio Rodriguez from a hometown standpoint tonight will certainly be a big storyline. Um, Guerrero Jr. I mean, you you definitely have names in the home run derby, whereas I feel like the dunk contest has just turned into which back end of the roster dude can dunk a lot and averages three points a game and is not afraid to get hurt. That's where I feel like the NBA has gone with that. I, I think the I mean the home run derby it is it's almost more of like a stamina contest, right? Because guys clearly well, that's why Pete Alonso's bench pressing. That's right. During it. That gets pretty tired too, by the way. Um the All Star you know, the Major League Baseball All Star game to me is still the most special of the All Star games. And part of that's nostalgic. Part of that's, again, resting on its laurels, perhaps. But, you know, the NBA All-Star Game, I realize, is an unbelievable display of athleticism. But it's in the wintertime. It's always like at 9 o'clock in the winter where it's been dark for four hours. You feel like you're about to fall asleep while you're watching it. It's always in some, like, kind of cool, exotic locale. And so you're jealous that you're not there. The Pro Bowl, I mean... Don't even get me started there, and obviously that's on its... Yeah, the Pro Bowl's a joke. Yeah, and it's done. The All- the Major League Baseball All-Star game was just... It's just such a... Everything about it's great. I mean, the weather's... It's always beautiful, and, and you know, back when I collected baseball cards as a kid, I mean, you knew every player out there, and it was your one chance to see them. Um, baseball, I think, is the sport that is rooted in nostalgia more than any other, and... The All-Star Game weekend, I enjoy it. I think it's super cool. Now, the NBA Summer League, Kevin, is interesting to me because this is the, we saw this. I mean, it was, a, a you know, last year maybe we saw the precursor for this, but I, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like before my very eyes, like I blinked and this was a thing. I was like, I, you know, I know that the, the Summer League, you had the Orlando Summer League and the Vegas Summer League, and, you know, in Vegas it's certainly cool. But now all of a sudden it's become like this fan destination. People want to be there, packed arenas all around the Las Vegas area. And it feels like the NFL Combine and NFL Draft wrapped into one. And yeah. like people want to be there. I think ESPN did a great job and totally. their ability to market it. Obviously put the games in prime time during times of this of the sports calendar that's really, really quiet. Obviously a Victor Webanyama storyline. Helps out big time. I mean, think about the two games Webb and Yama's played so far. Was it 9 o'clock on Friday? And then last night, I believe the game tipped at 8 o'clock on Sunday. So, you know, those are great time slots to attract an audience there. Um, Yeah, it's kind of like the NBA convention now. I mean, they had a convention there over the weekend. Did you see that? NBA Con? Yeah. So they did it. NBA Con? Is that people dressed in, like, comic books? (laughs) Convos. Yeah. 
It's kind of what it stood yeah. for there. Uh, and today, don't we get the Tyrese Halliburton on the Paul George podcast? Hasn't that been marketed a little bit here? Yeah, I've seen a few excerpts from that, right? So I, I do think it is a time to... I don't know if orientation is the right way to word it, but like the Pacers veteran guys are out there and they've had like a workout because now the Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, and the Obi Toppin trade became official Friday afternoon. Now that that stuff is official, your coaching staff is out there to watch the summer league play. So boom, here's an opportunity to do a voluntary group workout. So, I mean, if you watch the Pacers game on Saturday night, I mean, that front row was... You know, Turner and Halliburton and Heald and Neesmith and Jordan Wara, Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin. So I think people kind of look at it and say, all right, you know, training camp doesn't officially start till late September. Let's all get together in Vegas and let's do a little bit of work, but let's certainly get our play in when we're, when we're out there. I mean, look at the sports calendar. You couldn't ask for a better oh, it's perfect time for timing. it to show up for people that want some NBA and alternative in baseball. Perfect timing. Can't ask for anything better. Okay, I'm going to ask a sports question in terms of the calendar today that I know is setting me up for people to mock me and to point out my naivete and ignorance and whatever else. I, I, I am openly waving that flag of guilt. Okay? I saw it you know, yesterday, and I, do, I think I have made clear before, when it comes to the World Cup and things like that, I enjoy soccer because it's background noise is selling it short but i like any sports tournament where you can put it on during the daytime and just have it on like on a sunday while you're doing stuff around the house and you've got it on you can kind of glance over and watch it and there's action and so i've always enjoyed like the world cup for example for that purpose for that reason just to have something on in the middle of the day is fun it's like the opening days of the ncaa tournament and I certainly know of and I'm aware it would be impossible to talk sports for a living and not be aware of the peaks and valleys over the course of the last decade of the U.S. men's national team from coaching changes to roster changes, etc. But I saw last night that they won and the Gold Cup, I'm not even going to start to try to pronounce the name of the tournament itself because I'll butcher it, but they beat Canada on penalty kicks. My question for you guys is this, and... I am ready to take on the arrows of those that want to sling them at me for my naivete and asking it. What exactly tournament is it that they're playing in right now? So I, I believe the Gold Cup is basically like what we're used to in the World Cup of your qualifying area. So the region you're in, isn't it CONCACAV, right? Mm-hmm. So I believe it is a CONCACAV tournament. The Confederation of North, Central America, and Caribbean Association of Football. But isn't Cotter in there in this? Oh, I would assume it was like Canada, Mexico, the, Jamaica, the Caribbean okay. countries. Here we go. United States, Jamaica, Trinidad, Tobago, St. Kitts and Nevis, Group B, Mexico, Cotter, Honduras, and Haiti. Hmm, maybe they got invited via the World Cup. That, that's got to be it. Yep, there you go. Because that's where the World Cup was. That's it. Um, so this is, but I thought, I, I guess actually the last time that, that we saw this kind of a tournament, it was to set up for the World Cup that took place in Cotter, obviously, right? Uh, what did you think of the Pacers the other night? Anything stand out to you? Um, I always, Kevin, take Summer League with a grain of salt because for the most part, you're watching a lot of guys that will be playing in Poland in six months. But two things. Jarris Walker's energy is really impressive, and if and that's exactly what they need. Now, 
how well that energy translates to production defensively against Kevin Durant is yet to be seen. But you need the energy and the effort to begin with. You know, you can't teach effort and you can't teach energy. And he brought both of those. So that in itself, he didn't shoot the ball well. But in terms of the things that you cannot, that you can ask of a guy, but not just totally instill in, he showed that, which is great. And even though we have seen it and we are aware of it, Andrew Nimhard continues to show a really good ability offensively to be able to to score from multiple areas on the floor and get himself in position when necessary things aren't even running through him. I also just like the fact that, you know, obviously New Matherin's going to be is a very good player. I like the fact that the Pacers have guys that did not, and I think this is really a really important aspect, Kevin, despite what the records are going to say and, and the scoring and whatever else. The fact that the Pacers have young, very clear pillar pieces that have a spot on the roster that are still willing to go play in summer league, to me, is really encouraging. That that would be my takeaway from it. I, You know, Webb and Yama, if you watch his first game, I mean, there were times where I thought, oh gosh, is Sean Bradley going to be trending on Twitter now? Because that's what this looks like. And then in game two, he comes out and has 27. So, you know, they're going to be yin and yang probably throughout the summer league. But I just like, in, I'm telling you, I saw somebody the other day accuse me of like carrying the Pacers water or something like that. I, I mean, what do you want me to say? Like they they got better from two years ago to last year. They just locked in their franchise point guard. They have they drafted last year in the top 10 a guy that looks like he is going to be a player that sticks. They they made moves to acquire a couple of very nice auxiliary pieces and they have several key contributors that are under the age of 25. I I mean and now it's a matter of putting that all in in the crock pot and turning it on and seeing how it tastes in a year. I, that's pretty much what it boils down to. Yeah, you know the thing watching Saturday night it stood out about Jarris Walker. It was really probably the opening possession. It's like, man, that dude gets his hands on so many balls. And he's, what, six, 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 seven. The height doesn't necessarily stand out. But, and again, I, I know a lot of people just laugh at these words, but wingspan does matter. And he's a guy that's over seven foot with that wingspan. And I thought Doris Burke had the best comment of the night. Frankly, I would have liked to have heard a little bit more Doris, Doris Burke than Mark Jones. But... Doris said something late in that game because, yeah, I mean, Jarris Walker couldn't throw it in the ocean. I mean, he was 3 of 13, and one of his buckets was off some, you know, fluke free throw where everybody thought the play was over, and Walker had, had remembered he shot one free throw prior to the commercial break. So, yeah, he shot it terribly. But Doris said that Jarris Walker is just easy to play with. And I thought that was a great description for how he is. And if you look at the stat line, again, take the shooting percentage and put that to the side. You've got a guy with 13 rebounds, got a guy with five assists, three steals, three blocks. Like, that is the ideal puzzle piece to what you currently have. Um, You didn't need another Matherin. Um, You don't need another point guard. You needed a guy that's going to do a lot of that dirty work. Again, kind of set up an extra possession or two. Make the right play when he's coming to set a screen for Tyrese Halliburton, and boom! Now they're doubling Halliburton, and you throw it to to Walker, and it's like, oh boy, uh, what's going to happen here? Is he going to be deer in headlights? No, he's got a great feel. He's going to make this the right play. He's going to make the extra pass. All of those things. That's what really stood out to me about Walker. It was um, again defensively gets his hands on everything. 
but he also is just really easy to play with. And I think that's a, very important for the Pacers right now and kind of where they're at. Um, again, did a little bit of everything on Saturday night. The jump shot will certainly be something to keep an eye on for how much of a ceiling he has at the NBA level. But at the bare minimum, I saw a lot of Thad Young out of him. And I think that's really, really important given what the Pacers makeup is right now. Thad Young's a pretty good comparison. Pretty good comparison. Uh, how was your weekend overall? It was good. I was telling Mark, Mark and I um, happened to be entering the building at the same time. It was kind of a recharge the batteries weekend for the Bowen family. Uh, we've been traveling a little bit and a lot of yard work. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. What did the Bulldog on Friday? Bulldog's great. We went there. Um, it was weird. The Bulldog's where we went on the Monday, a week ago tonight. As a matter of fact, the night before the 4th of July. So, like, it was a Monday, but it kind of felt like a Saturday, but it wasn't a Saturday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Great, great spot. So, yeah, did that. Um, nothing too crazy, though. How about yourself? Um, what did we do last night? And it was actually Saturday went to a movie. It just felt like a good movie day. It was kind of, you know what I mean? It was kind of overcasty. Um, but last night went Wait, to go see, see? Uh, that new. Um, no, you got really excited, Mark. Like well, you, you can't just say I saw a movie and then not say what you saw. Well, that, here's the thing, though. Like anymore, do you have the movie theater to yourself? There were probably six people total in the theater. Great Jeez. question. Because anymore, don't you like? For example, the movie we saw, Shannon's like, "Oh yeah, my parents saw it." I go, "Really? Which theater?" And she goes, "Oh no, they just got it on Netflix." Okay, hmm. so like the movie that we saw, I guess it's been out since May. It was called. Um, you hurt my feelings, but it had Mark. Would you like to guess who starred? Hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. Never heard of that one. Julia Louise Dreyfus. Oh, was the. There's no feelings star. hurt there, right? Here, here's what is an all-time crush. Here's what's fascinating. Totally so agree. Alma mater going to get a new football coach here soon. Yeah, Northwestern boy. I'll tell you what, and we'll get into that. Uh, there's some interesting stuff going on there. Julia Louise Dreyfus. I feel almost bad for her because, and Jerry Seinfeld as well. She is so 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 attractive in the later year, the later years in particular of Seinfeld, which are still on all the time. So you see so many reruns of her and Veep and other shows that she's like permanently frozen at like 35 years old. So then you see a movie with her. I think she's now 62 maybe, and she still looks fantastic and she's a beautiful woman. But you know, you look at it and you're like, wow, she's really aged. Well, she hasn't. It's just that the last five times I've seen her, she was 35 years old. Um, decent movie, but we saw the movie, and then actually we went to uh, TGI Fridays in Keystone for dinner in the bar, and Desmond Bain's mom was the one oh that Oh, my gosh, you guys are following there. each other. She was like, oh, my gosh, I met you the other day at Liz. She could not be. She is super cool. She's moving in like three weeks to Memphis. You've offered to help move, I assume, at this point. We yeah. are. We actually, we're going down uh, to spend the weekend down there and go to Beale Street in a month. No, I'm just kidding. Super cool woman. Uh, and I did not realize that, and I just continue to learn things through Desmond Bain's mother about the Memphis Grizzly, what, shooting guard, small forward that has signed the largest contract in NBA history for an Indiana high school player. Uh, Desmond Bain's grandfather, which is his mother's father, was... A 1977 Indiana All-Star at Richmond. Really? Yeah. Um, and gosh darn it, she told me his name. And I, I'll be honest, I had I had was not familiar with his name, but still, and I, you know, a her father. She played volleyball, and her father was uh, a high-level basketball player. So that 
right there shows you, okay, I mean, it, you know, there are some kudos to Desmond Bain, but I'm just saying, you know, he does come from an athletic family for sure. Uh, but anyway, the movie was good. And then last night we went and saw the Bodines at Hi-Fi and Fountain Square. Have you seen shows there? Sure. Oh, yeah. The he's, Hi-Fi he's Annex right, Outback. Right and uh, it was great. The Bodines are, I know that they're not a huge mainstream band, but but they sound absolutely fantastic. And it was great. Seeing them uh, was great fun. Mark, so you said a good amount of yard work as well? Yeah, yesterday it was all yard work. It was moving gravel and mowing the lawn and all that stuff and everything, trying to kill some weeds. So did a bunch of that. Did a lot of shopping on Saturday because a couple stores that Ashley likes is going out of business. So it was like one last hurrah out in Greenwood for a couple stores. So nice. she overspent, but that's okay. And then, uh, yeah, kind of recharged the batteries. I... um. I was watching last night, speaking of, I guess, a little bit of Southside there where you mentioned Greenwood. It was quite the scene in Franklin, Indiana last night for uh, Max Clark and that draft selection. Did you see any of those videos from there? No. Like the town, it was like, you know, the Class A state championship team has come back home. I can only imagine, right? They had like a huge, you know, community fan fan fest. I don't know if that's the right phrase to use, but... He went down to the community area or you know, massive park in Franklin and spoke to everybody out there, was signing autographs. Again, Keem Gillespie from the Star kind of covers preps alongside Kyle Nedenrep. He's been really, I would say, kind of the main cover of Max Clark's baseball career. is going to join us here in about an hour. Um, and Jeff Samarge's brother, by the way, Max Clark's agent. Um, I used to love Jeff Samarge. He was a hell of a player, wasn't he? Love. But I'm very confused, and we talked about this on Friday with, with Clark. He went third overall to the Tigers, but yet, and we'll confirm this when Akeem joins us here in about an hour, he's signing fourth pick signing bonus money. Like, I, Can someone explain the MLB draft to me like I'm in third grade? Well, and not to mention, like the drafts themselves. Have you seen the... The other like rounds that they have, like the two C round, like w- what is that? Yeah, it gets super confusing after round one, as if round one is some just easy to follow, right? Sort of ordeal. Uh, seven point seven million. I think I saw that last night. That was the signing bonus for the fourth slot, but yet he went third overall. Uh, but you would think once he makes it, you know, assuming he makes it through their system, uh, they're the Mud Hens, right? Toledo. Yep. So he's going to get some action here. Oh, we might see the the fellow that I knew that was the diehard Toledo Mudhens fan that follows them around game to game that I met at the at Victory Field several years ago. Have Mark, to no, watch uh, no Coco Melon over at Victory Field yesterday? No, we debated it. We were thinking, like, should we go? And then we were just like, oh, we got to get a lot of yard work to get done. So we took a took a rain check. Boy, the real stars of the game yesterday at Victory Field, Coco Melon in the building. Say that again? Just a horrific kid kid cartoon. It's like a kid okay. cartoon with a bunch of nursery rhymes. It's like the whole show, and it's just beyond addicting. Coco, what melon? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that yeah, sounds fun. a lot of melons that the Indians gave up. So they uh, lost thirteen to five yesterday. As they now take a break, I believe that is their last home game until July twenty fifth. As again, we are in Major League Baseball All Star Week. The Home Run Derby on our airwaves tonight, eight o'clock from Seattle. Tomorrow night, you will get the All Star Game, and then the Major League schedule will pick up. I believe Friday will be their return as they get ready for the. I know we say second half of the year. I feel like it's usually more of like the final third 
Um, so we'll chat about that a little bit later in today's show. Good Monday morning to you. Again, it's pretty nice weather out there for this Monday. Jake, is there something you want yeah, to Yeah, sorry. In? Robbie Willis of Richmond. I, I, I failed to mention that. That was Desmond Bain's father, 1977 Indiana All-Star Robbie Willis of Richmond. Grandfather, right? Grandfather. I'm sorry. Yes, grandfather. Again, good Monday morning to you. It feels pretty nice outside. Hope you get a chance to enjoy it. Thank you for spending some time with us here on Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Kevin's in mid-stretch there. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday, by the way, we are at the All-Star break, and the Cincinnati Reds are the leaders in the National League Central, despite the fact that yesterday, Brewers over the Reds, it was one nothing was the final. Marlins over the Phillies yesterday, 7-3. Let's check our battle for PBR. The Pirates over the Diamondbacks, 4-2. Orioles, 15-2 over the Twins. They went for two late in the game. That means, Mark, do you have the standings right in front of you in terms of where things stand? By the way, Cubs and Cardinals both won yesterday. Uh, I don't have them right in front. I can pull them in just a second. The Oakland Athletics on the short end, 4-3. to three. They are starting to fade here at the All-Star The Oakland Ridge. Athletics are starting to fade. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were fading on March 31st. Might be the most... <laughs> they turned out the lights. 25-67. and 67. They out the They're lights starting carb to day. fade. Yeah, literally. Uh, percentage points. Let's see. My Arizona Dimebacks, 52 and 39, with a win percentage of 571. They're tied for the lead, right? In the, uh, I believe NLS. so. Yeah, they're tied with the Dodgers. And then your Baltimore Orioles, 54 and 35, a win percentage of 607, but still trailing the Tampa Bay Rays by a few games. How about them apples? Uh, Memphis Redbirds, 13 5 yesterday over the Indianapolis Indians. You guys got a pick for the home run derby? Uh, Boy, that's. I have to look at who's. Yeah, I have no again. idea who's participating. Not everybody at once here. A lot of, lot, of, lot of confidence in the home run derby selection. I know Lewis Robert from the the White Sox is. Uh, he would not be my selection though. He's up there this year when you look at the list of home run guys, especially when you compare it to the field. Luis Robert from the White Sox, Aldi Rushman from Jake's Orioles, Pete Alonzo of the Mets, who's going to be doing push-ups in the in the dugout, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners. In front of the home crowd. I'll go there. Mookie Betts and the Dodgers. We've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think okay, that that's, my, that's that my pick be. right there. Blue yep. Jays. Adolis Garcia. Actually, that's my pick. Adolis Garcia of the Rangers is my pick. And Randy Rosarina of the Rays. Okay, I'm going Vlad Jr. Yeah, I think from a name recognition standpoint, you know, there are a few that are kind of like, wait, who? Uh, but for the most part, that is, um, I think, a pretty good list there. Yeah, I'll go Julio Rodriguez. Again, tonight, that is 8 o'clock. You can hear that on our airwaves. Uh, last night, or I guess I should say tonight as well, the Pacers will be in Summer League action. Last night, the Fever, uh, they continued their recent slide. I want to say it's now 5-14 and 14 on the year. They've lost seven in a row. Had a chance last night, uh, down one late. Uh, got a decent look in the corner. Lexi Hall missed a three at the buzzer. So I don't think it's the outright tank we saw last year, but I'm now starting to think, boy, Aaliyah Boston, Caitlin Clark. Can you imagine? Boy, that would be – you'd start putting – I mean, you would start increasing some interest level for certain at that point, right? If you start getting – Is Caitlin Clark like the no-brainer? I, I, I assume, you know, but I, I don't that's a know. Good question, though, Angel Kevin, Reese from LSU up there? It's a good question because I think oftentimes, you know, it's kind of like – Is she Tyler Hansborough? Yeah, or like Jimmer Fredette. You know, Jimmer Fredette Adam was like this, this totally electric, do-everything, can't-miss scorer, but that doesn't translate necessarily to professional-level player. But I would think that Caitlin Clark is the foregone conclusion to go number one overall, right? Um, 
By the way, one other note before we get back to basketball. NASCAR yesterday, William Byron wins a range-shortened race in Atlanta. Give me a number one through uh, 37. 17. Number 17, Joey Logano. Who's his sponsor? Is it Shell? Well, I thought you'd tell me. Well, we don't have the sheet with the sponsors listed on it, but Joey Logano. Um, yes, Pennzoil. Sorry, you win a lifetime supply of Pennzoil. Hell yeah. It's exciting. Kevin, yourself? Uh, let's go. Uh, Max Clark got drafted three overall, so let's go with number three. Uh, third place yesterday, A.J. Allmendinger. So you have won a lifetime supply of a really good sponsor. I'm not sure what it is because he's wearing a white fire suit in this hero shot, but it's a good one nonetheless. This guy that won the brick car last year, right? Oh, yeah. I love Allmendinger. Great, great road and street course racer. Give me a number for myself, Mark. Uh, four. Finishing fourth yesterday, Michael McDowell. Wasn't he uh, the lead singer of uh, Steely Dan or one of those? I don't anyway, know. Uh, Michael McDowell, uh, oh, loves truck stops. I'll compete with Bucky's. Oof, boy. How come there's not a Bucky's car? Has there ever been? Uh, there needs to be. <laughs> I'll drive it. <laughs> we're saving it for the 500. Uh, speaking of driving, we're going to drive you right back to Las Vegas to talk about the Pacers, not only in their summer league, but I want you to hear from not one, but two members of the team that are new, but might be integral parts of what they're trying to do this season. And you'll hear directly from them next. It's Kevin and Corey, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 17 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock on an absolutely gorgeous Monday, and I think it's going to be a perfect day today because the humidity not supposed to be too high in this All-Star Weekend in Major League Baseball. Good morning to you, Jake Quarry, along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. Kevin, we were talking about the Pacers and Summer League. This has become a thing. I mean, people uh, converging on Las Vegas and, and why would you not, if you're an NBA fan and you had the t- if you had the time, go out there? I mean, Vegas, you got pools. It's like an NBA convention now all of a sudden. Like, everyone is going to Summer League. And Mark Monteith actually had a really good article, fascinating article on the history of the Summer League because it's been around forever. It just wasn't really on the radar of the fans until recent years. But just in terms of players that the Pacers discovered via Summer League or – some of the greater Pacer players that they've had, how they performed in the Summer League, who played, who didn't. And it kind of gives you a perspective of, to pump the brakes a little bit, but the Pacers do have some pieces that are coming that we already know what they can do as professional basketball players because we've seen them in terms of Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin playing elsewhere. Yeah, and honestly, it makes total sense from a Summer League standpoint for teams to gather out there. First off, it's Vegas. Secondly, if you're the Pacers, I mean, your season ended you know, early April, so you've literally gone three months without being together in a you know serious capacity, and then obviously you want to do it with involving some other guys that are new to the team, and in Bruce Brown's case and Obi Toppin's case, you have that. I would venture to guess there's probably some nights where you're getting together for you know dinner with some of these guys because you do have your coaching staff out there. Obviously, the rookies are out there. Their second summer league game is tonight. Uh, but you had Obi Toppin meet the media yesterday. Something that I didn't, I guess I didn't fully grasp, Jake, until I was watching his press conference. 
this is a guy that got peppered in that Zoom call yesterday from New York media, and I, I didn't realize that he is also a New York native. And so when you talk about a former top 10 pick of the Knicks that did not work out, and then you throw on top of that he is a native of the city, boy, there's going to be a bus label, no questions asked. I'd venture to guess this guy probably had the weight of the world on him when he was drafted by the Knicks. I mean, a hometown guy being taken by that franchise at a point in time where obviously the franchise has had some definite issues here recently. Um, that was a whole lot, I think, on the top and plate there. So he had a he fielded a ton of questions yesterday from a Knicks standpoint on what went wrong. There was some sort of, I guess, verbal altercation reported between him and Tom Thibodeau in the playoffs when Toppa didn't play. Uh, so he's answering questions on that. Nonetheless, he seemed very refreshed whenever a Pacers question was asked to him about this new start. Uh, Mark, if you queue up that um, Obi Toppin, what he's looking to improve on. Uh, contract you for him. Here was Obi Toppin yesterday on uh, his improvement here going into his, I believe it's his fourth NBA season. I want to be a sponge this year. I want to learn from Coach. I want to learn from all these players. There's a lot of learning that I can do, and, and it's going to only help me. So I'm ready for that and can't wait to get out there and do that. You know, it's encouraging. You almost wonder, Kevin, when you are – as you talked about, you're a New York native, your father was a player, your brother is a player, you're a lottery pick at a franchise that is the media capital of the world, that is right on the cusp, I think, in the, you know, there's optimism within New York about the Knicks, because it's been a long time since they've actually been a playoff level team, but yet Knicks fans always are going to find something to be disgruntled about, and so maybe that's Obi Toppin, although I think he was a popular player as a guy. But one would think that if it doesn't work out for a player, especially in a New York, you're looking for a second lease. You're looking for a restart, a a total reset. And doing it off the radar and as kind of more hidden, I, I know in the NBA nowhere is hidden, but in comparison to New York, this kind of just gives him the opportunity to quietly go about his business and try to like reinvent himself a little bit or prove himself a little bit without the bright lights of New York City. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just, I, it's just such a different animal from New York. I would think that that would be something that Obi Toppin would be realizing that this is probably a really good place for him. He spoke yesterday, by the way, about the fact that this is kind of a fresh start uh, for Obi Toppin in terms of the opportunity now for him in franchise number two with the Indiana Pacers. It's going to be great just because something new I'm I'm going into. But like I said before, like it's a bunch of great players, coaches, everybody who's here is great. So like I said, I can't wait to get started, get down in Indy and, and get it started. You know, I know Rick Carlisle really harped on this at the press conference late last week, you know, and he couldn't mention Toppin by name, but he certainly didn't hesitate from hinting at the the extra move the Pacers were going to have be announced shortly, and they announced it on Friday. You know, Toppin is known for his athleticism. Obviously, he's an NBA dunk champ. We all saw his highlights at Dayton to be National College Basketball Player of the Year, all of those things. So at the bare minimum, you put him on the floor with a guy that has Tyrese Halliburton's quarterback instincts, you're going to get some easy baskets in transition via Halliburton and Toppin. There is no debating that whatsoever. And I think with Bruce Brown 
and a, certainly Toppin, but a little bit of Bruce Brown as well. Some of the Pacers' moves this offseason kind of got me back to thinking, boy, and this is several drafts ago. Jake, what year was the draft that the Pacers took Cassius Stanley? I'm going to guess that was like around 19 or 20. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I was. I didn't know if it was the COVID draft or it was the one prior to that or 2020, not. 2020, 54th overall pick. So it was the COVID draft? Uh-huh. Yeah, which I guess that now makes sense when I when I explain the story because that night we had a Zoom with Chad Buchanan and you know Pacers GM who you guys have heard Chad with us before. I mean he's extremely candid. I always think he's got a not afraid to share kind of the the internal pulse of how the Pacers view their roster. And when they drafted Stanley, and obviously Stanley did not work out, but when they drafted him, Chad said that night like we need to get more athletic. And I think you watch the Pacers and you go to Pacers games. One thing that stands out to you about going to Pacers games, I would say more often than not, they are not the most athletic team on the floor that night. The Pacers are skilled. I mean, they they, they, they have skill, but their athleticism, when you rank the teams 1-30 to 30 in the NBA with that, I would not put them anywhere close to the top. And... It's clearly been an organizational goal over the last few years to try and get more athletic. I'd probably throw in, along with athleticism, versatile. That would be the other thing that you would like to see a few more kind of interchangeable pieces to go along with that athleticism. And I think Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin kind of fit into that bucket. Certainly Toppin being much more the high flyer, but Bruce Brown's versatility, he's a very good athlete as well. Those guys fall into that boat. And I think when you have, again, when you have a Halliburton, or even when you throw out a Buddy Heald, I don't think you'd label either of them as just these you know, peak NBA athletes when you compare them to other players at their positions, but they bring a ton of skill in other areas, and part of Halliburton's skill specifically is to make the most out of that athleticism. Just throw lobs Isaiah Jackson and have him dunk the basketball. Same thing with Obi Toppin, and I think Bruce Brown can offer that as well. So while you want Obi Toppin to tap into, into, excuse me, more of kind of that, hey, this is how he shoots when he's a starter versus when he's a reserve and these numbers look drastically different and we feel like he can, you know, reach more of that potential with consistent minutes coming his way. Yeah, that is all true. But at the bare minimum, his athleticism, pair that with Tyrese Halliburton. That should lead to a lot of easy buckets for the Pacers. Uh, Rick Carlisle pointed out during the introduction to Tyrese Halliburton's contract extension that Indiana went back and looked at some of the cyber metrics, to use that term, some of the advanced statistics from last year in the NBA, and there was kind of a weird nuanced stat about players' efficiency offensively in transition or in faster-moving sets, and the three players that had the highest score in this somewhat obscure stat, but the three players that scored the highest were Tyrese Halliburton, Bruce Brown Jr., who is now on his way here, who we'll hear from later, uh, from Denver, and then Obi Toppin. And I think when you look at Tyrese Halliburton and the way that he works with some players in pick and roll, Isaiah Jackson certainly comes to mind in that style of play. Toppin is another that that's an area where he might be able to help out 
So the question is, Indiana wants to play, obviously, at a faster pace. Obi Toppin, your thoughts on the playing style of your new team? It's no secret. Everybody knows what I do best on the court, run the floor, energy guy. And this is a young group who likes to run, was one of the fastest, if not the fastest team in the league. So, yeah, like I'm super excited to get out of here, get some leak out dunks. That's the kind of dunks I prefer are leak out dunks, hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, usually leaking is not a good thing, but um, yeah, I would say in Obi Toppin's case, he's made a living out he, of doing that. I think he's an intriguing player. I think he's an intriguing yeah. player and intriguing prospect. And I'm a fan of it. Again, it's two second round picks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hell, the Pacers. I don't know if Mojave King, the second round pick, even got in the game the other night in the first summer league contest. Like, oftentimes it is throwing a dart at a dartboard from a hundred feet away, just praying and hoping something hits there. Kick the tires on a former lottery pick. Uh, we mentioned earlier some of the positives from the Pacers Summer League as it got underway Saturday night and they beat the Wizards. Jarris Walker's defense and just his overall feel of the game certainly topped that list. Uh, ben Shepard, the other first-round pick, he did start very, very quiet. 0 for 4 in 28 minutes from Shepard. I am curious, Jake. Tonight, the Pacers play again. I think it's an 8.30 tip. I believe that's NBA TV, by the way, so... Um, ESPN2, it is, Mark? Yes. NBA TV for the Pacers tonight. Um, So maybe the viewing won't be as abundant for Pacers fans. But if this is the last game for the likes of Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, Isaiah Jackson, you know, some of your veterans out there in Summer League, does that offer more opportunity for guys like Ben Shepard? Mentioned Mojave King, their other second-round pick. Oscar Shibway only played eight minutes off the bench the other night. Uh, do you see a little bit more opportunity for some of those guys? So, again, for those that missed it, Matherin had 27 points, as you would expect uh, him to dominate Summer League from a scoring standpoint. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more playmaking out of him in other areas because we certainly know he can score in the league. Andrew Nemar did have a good amount of turnovers, but he was in full control uh, with his points and assists, 14-8. and eight. Isaiah Jackson, how about this stat line? 21 points, 14 rebounds, and 8 fouls. Got to work on that latter one. Right? He's got a fouling issue. Yeah. I mean, some of that is when you are used to blocking shots in your athleticism, then you've got to – you find yourself out of position sometimes because you're so used to being able to come in late with your athleticism, and then you're out of position. And when you start going up against guys with a little more speed and quickness, you got some problems. Yeah, again, fouling has been a problem for him in NBA games, and certainly was that the other night out in Vegas. All right, more on the Pacers here coming up in a bit. And also, we will get into Max Clark going third overall. That is the Franklin High School product drafted last night by the Detroit Tigers. Pretty cool scene down in Franklin. Akeem Gillespie from the Star was there. We'll get his thoughts on Max Clark being the top high school player drafted here in this 2023 MLB draft. A good Monday morning to you. It's a beautiful day outside. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin Aquari right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, 8 o'clock hour here. Thanks for tuning in to Kevin Aquari on this Monday morning. Really felt nice walking to the car, not the sticky humidity that I feel like was alive and well last week. We'll play some Bruce Brown Audio here coming up just a sec. New Pacers, I guess wing is probably the 
way to slot him. Jake, I got a question during the break from a listener. Robbie was asking our thoughts on that NBA in-season tournament. I really have no issue with it. I'm not going to act like this is the greatest thing in the world and, oh my gosh, so many players and fans are going to have a ton of interest in an in-season tournament. But from my understanding, this is going to have no impact on like the quantity of games teams are going to play. Like These games are built into your schedule. So maybe if you make the title game of the in-season tournament, which I think will be in Vegas, you'll have one extra game in your NBA season. But for you know 90% of the league, this is just going to be a built-in sort of, these are the games that you're used to, and unless you pay like a ton of attention to it, and there might be some graphic on the floor, um, you aren't going to fully realize that you're actually playing a game that, and I say this in quotes, matters more. Uh, the Pacers group for their in-season tournament, teams that you would all think the Pacers would play a whole lot. The Cavs, the Pistons, the Hawks, and the Sixers. The the que- So in other words, the way this works... All 30 teams randomly drawn into groups of five. You just mentioned the Pacers group. With their conference based on one-loss records from this, the previous season. So it has to do with the way they played last year. Okay. East A, East B, East C, West A, West B, West So throughout November, each team will play four designated group play games on quote-unquote tournament nights. So I'm assuming you're going to be watching the game and it's going to be like, oh, tonight's a tournament night game. Yeah. Meaning that basically you have a substandings within the major standings of the season, right? So these are, to your point, games that were already basically scheduled. Then there's knockout rounds where eight teams will advance to the knockout round. So think of this in the terms of like IndyCar qualifying. You start out with everybody in there, and then at a certain point you advance based on being, you know, advancing out of your round. Now you got to have a loser's bracket, right? Yeah, the team with the best standing in group play. Uh, in each of the six groups, and then there are two wild cards. The knockout rounds will be single elimination games in the quarterfinals of the quote-unquote tournament nights uh, with a semifinal and championship. The qualifying teams will complete for a prize pool and the new in-season tournament trophy, the NBA Cup. So I don't see actually that there's a, a loser round. Well, if you want to make it equal for everybody in terms of how many games they play, you would have yeah. to have the teams that... Well, I, I mean, I guess they would still play, I, I'm, I'm guessing here, but like, let's say Cleveland and Detroit have the quote-unquote, their game is already scheduled for November 21st. It is still a tournament game if they're still alive, but if they're eliminated, then it's just a regular game. Is That, that would be my guess, right? Well, so you mentioned what, eight teams go to the knockout round? Correct. So the other 22... They would need to play their own version of knockout oh, games yeah, yeah. just to make sure that everyone is at an 82 game threshold. Unless I'm totally m- misreading something, I thought that outside of the championship teams, every other team will be playing the same amount. The championship teams will play one extra game. So, from a My- 82 game standing standpoint, I don't think we're going to get to the end of the year and be like, "Wow, that team played 91 games this year because they made a deep run in the in season tournament." I got, no, I got no issue again. I don't think it's some roaring great idea, some great success. I don't think I'll pay that much extra attention to those games. But uh, at the same time, I don't think it's like the end of the world. Two, two things here: a yin and yang. The yen. 
or the positive, I don't know which is positive and negative of yin and yang, but two sides of the coin here. Number one, this is clearly done because we started hearing rumblings from fans. The season's too long. The season's too long. Guys are load management and, gee, why am I going to a game in the middle of November when it doesn't matter anyway? Uh, Yada, 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 right? That's why this is to now put games emphasis on the importance of games throughout the the totality of the season. That's why this is done. Um, The negative would be this. I'll go back to a racing analogy. With NASCAR, NASCAR fans, the the interest level of NASCAR started to wane there in like the 2010s and people were like, I don't know, the season's so long and da-da-da-da and all the races are the same. So then they started coming up with races within the race stage racing and stage points and five laps to go in this stage and then three and then three caution flags and then another you know whatever and i think it confused the hell out of people and people are like i don't even understand their point system anymore i mean when i read this to you right here all 67 games across both stages of the the end season tournament will count toward the regular season standings except the championship each game will each team will continue to play 82 regular season games in the 24th season including those games that are part of group play and the knockout rounds 14 group play games two games on tournament night and all seven knockout round games will be televised nationally the game and broadcast schedule for the end season tournament will be announced in august i mean I think you run the risk of losing people in terms of like, what the hell is going on again? Yeah, but I think if you don't want to get caught up in all that, Jake, you don't need to. No, I, I get that. That's fair. Yeah, you just, you go to a game and you're like, oh, it's like some tournament game tonight. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then like, show me the Eastern Conference Central standings. Yeah. That's all that really matters. Is there is there me. a financial bonus for players? I, I Yes, I, I, I think definitely. But I also think this. If the NBA thinks that having an in-season tournament is going to make more players not load manage their season, that's one of the more idiotic ideas I think they But you are correct. Could have. I'm looking at it now. You are correct. There are um before the drawing each team was placed into a pot based on its record from the prior season. Oh wait, but that's but I do think that there are still ways for teams once they lose in this and they're in the loser bracket to still get yeah, Some but like, you know, if you're LeBron and whatever, you're nursing a tender ankle injury because you have a group play game on a Tuesday night against the Warriors, not all of a sudden is LeBron going to be like, oh man, I got to give it a go for that. I mean, that's just... Right. That's a but it gives the idea. But the point being, last year on, November, on a week before Thanksgiving... If somebody said to you, I've got tickets for the Pacers-Pistons game, you're like, eh. But if they're like, I've got tickets for the Pacers-Pistons game, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, actually the winner of this game stays alive in the in-season tournament with an additional bonus for players, they might actually, you know, what it gives you... That's going to be the difference in getting you off the couch? I'm I'm not saying (laughs) it. What I'm saying is this. If there are 100 people, and that works for three... Then they're in. Yeah. I, again, I don't want to act like I am just totally poo-pooing this idea by any means. Um, I think it's fine to try something out of the ordinary, uh, but I don't. If the NBA is thinking that this is going to cure or curb maybe the load management craze, no chance. Kawhi Leonard all of a sudden's like, I'm in, coach. Uh, yep. no, Tap me in. What, what Group games? They're not need worried. They are not worried at all about the player involvement. They're worried about the fan involvement. And the television rating involvement, and I realize that's that that comes from the players. I get it. Yeah, I mean, when you do get to the knockout stage, and what is it? The final four that's in Vegas, is that right? Or is it the entire final eight? 
I think it's the final four that are in Vegas. And I thought I read that those games will be the week after college football ends. Remember the weekend in December where we get like just the Heisman Trophy announcement? Yeah. It's like Army-Navy Heisman Trophy announcement, and then I think that's when college basketball teams start to do their little, like, I use it, Arizona. Here's what the NBA is doing. In Vegas. Like, that is the weekend that they're going for. And that honestly checks out. If you look at a weekend on the schedule, you get away from college football, all you have is the Army-Navy, all you have is the Heisman Trophy, college basketball hasn't ramped up. Yeah, people are going to, I think, Let me tell you what the NBA is doing. What is the gold standard of professional sports leagues in the United States? Of the NFL. Okay. The NFL in January is the playoffs, right? The NFL in February is the Super Bowl. What's the NFL in March? When does when does free agency open? Uh yeah. Middle middle of March. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh NFL in April is the draft, right? Yes. Late late April. Yeah. Okay. NFL in May? But they have like rookie orientation. Yeah, I mean nothing from a TV standpoint, but yeah. But but and then you get like a month, June basically, and in that you have like team mini camps, and then boom, July teams report for camp, and then you're you're off and running, right? Rinse and repeat. The NBA, the NBA, five years ago, had opening day around Halloween, a couple games on Christmas, which a lot of people thought was the beginning of the season, and then the draft sometime in June. That's it. Now the NBA has this, before this even little tournament thing, the NBA has Summer League, which has now become like a big thing. It has the draft, which leading up to it, they do all kinds of stuff about, you know, analysis of the draft and whatever else. Part of that is based off of, you know, the the, the G League now to, to build up and televising games of G League prospects so that people can get excited about that. Then you have NBA now, the NBA free agency period, which is a short window, but like the... the that's the Woj their versus, event. Right, the Woj versus Shams deal. But what I'm saying is that's their biggest event. But Kevin, this NBA Summer League thing, three years ago, did you did did you even know where to find an NBA Summer League game on television? It was on NBA t- it was usually on NBA TV or NBA.com. Now, it's not only televised on ESPN, they're playing in front of arenas with like 12,000 people there. And people are flying out like, "Oh, this is great." Like you can go to the Palms and and you go to the Four Seasons and you go to the Mirage and like, "Look, there's Quinn Snyder laying out by his pool and holy cow, Steve Kerr's at, at the buffet and you know whatever else. It, it, it is an event. The Summer League is an event." And the NBA now is making sure that what they're doing is following the blueprint blueprint step by step of the NFL of trying to generate interest about itself be above and beyond simply the regular season games. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Now, they have a long way to go, and that probably is not – I think they know they're not going to get to the level of the NFL, but the blueprint is there to keep conversation going about the NBA. And they also need to be – you know, the NBA free agency, I think, has turned people off to the point of like, I can't even keep track of these guys. I don't know. I don't watch the NBA anymore because I used to watch, but now I don't even know who these guys are. They're just bouncing around from team to team. Well, now you can watch in summer league and you can watch the draft coverage and you can watch the free agency period and, and get to know and get more introduced to the players that are on your roster. It's all by design. Whether or not it's valid, whether or not it works, whether or not it sticks, I have no idea. But clearly they're trying to do something. To, to, to generate 
I mean, look at us right now. Here we are, the 16th ranked middle market radio program in the country, and we're talking about the NBA in July. Uh, Jalen Huchifino, pretty nice night for him in summer league last night, 15 and five. Still have not seen Trace Jackson Davis yet due to his hamstring injury. Uh, Jay Nivey kind of falls into the Benedict Matherin camp of these guys that had great rookie seasons and are playing still in summer league. 22 and 10 for Jay Nivey yesterday for the Pistons. The the big thing for you know for Ivy, what I'm curious about is how he's going to mesh. Detroit's got a lot of young talent, and you know they got a former number one overall pick in Cunningham that 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 was hurt and now comes back, and who you know, and so Ivy's got to kind of take a step back again. And Detroit is going to find themselves in the situation of wanting wanting to know whether or not there are even enough basketballs to go around because they're going to have so many good young players, which is a good problem to have. But they kind of seem overloaded by position. And they drafted the other Thompson, right? Yeah, the two Thompsons have played well so far. Again, summer league. How much do you really can you really read into that? I don't know, but they've played well so far. Uh, Pacers will be back in action tonight. That is eight thirty. We'll see if that is the final game for their again veterans out there. Benedict Mather and Andrew Nemhard. Isaiah Jackson, uh, the Pacers will play again on Wednesday and Friday, and then they'll have one more game, either uh, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. That will conclude their five games out in Vegas. By the way, uh, either one of you guys, have you joined the Threads phenomenon yet? Are you on there? I am on there, and I have yet to post. Now, it, I joined, but I, I did one. I said, is this how this works? And then I just posted it. One thing that's interesting to me, I think it's an again an age thing. Like I don't think that the older audience is making the transition yet. I think younger people probably are. It's got a long way to go. Threads for those that are unfamiliar is the Facebook now rival to or attempt to rival um, against Twitter, and it's just kind of random, right? Yeah, there's no like. It's not in order of like the posting. Like I'm, yeah, I'm looking right now. It's a chronological feed. Yeah, ten minutes and then seven minutes, then forty five minutes, then nine hours ago, then sixty minutes ago. It's like what? No what I like about it. Twitter is the chronological feed and the information. And I look at threads and think, first off, it's not chronological, and second, it's it's Instagram to me. It's more of like following my friends and whereas i look at twitter and yeah i mean there are some of my friends that i follow on twitter but for the most part i view twitter as like information source yeah l- l- let me get everything i need to know in the world of golf uh notre dame athletics uh obviously from a work standpoint it's super beneficial to me so i yeah. originally signed up for twitter for nfl free agency news right and i've been there ever since yeah that's kind of where i'm at from a information hub I do it just to see what people are up to and what they're eating for lunch, right? That's what Instagram's. For. I was gonna say that sounds more Instagram to me than I it can't. Does I can't figure out. And I, so I had to join Instagram in order to join Threads. I wanted to join Threads in case Twitter goes away and that's where everybody is. I wanted to make sure that I had my name, so I didn't have to do like you know jQuery O one seven or whatever. So to reserve jQuery on Threads, so I had to join Instagram. And so far, the only thing I see on my Instagram when I go on there is is Britney Spears videos. And so I asked Shannon, I'm like, what's going on? And Shannon said, well, you're following Britney Spears. And I'm like, I don't think I am. I don't remember. I don't even know how to follow someone. And apparently I'm following Britney Spears. So is that the curse against 
uh, Webanyama on Friday night, the Britney curse. <laughs> I know. Well, he he bounced back yesterday. He did bounce back. Did you see the video of the Britney Spears Webamyama? I have yeah, so many questions I, about that. I, I only saw the video from behind. Didn't look like a whole lot there, to be totally honest. It looked with you. like she tried to tap him on the shoulder, and when she reached up to tap him, his security person used his left arm to block her arm. Yeah, I have the, no an, issue with the security. The person. inertia of that pushed her back. The thing to me that is the most. The she thing looked like to me, a hurry, like fan, like oh my gosh, oh my god, like. Here's what is amazing to me about that, and I'm going to repeat what I said the other day. It is amazing to me that no one in that situation realizes that's Britney's, like Britney Spears, like as a Britney Spears who has spent her entire life walking anywhere with flocks of admiring fans trying to get to her with a security entourage around her literally her entire life and for the role reversal of britney spears now being like a fan trying to get someone's attention but that no one realized that's who it was that's what's weird to me like no one in first off did she not have a security around her you would think her entire life revolved and i know that she's passe i realize that she is not the star she was 20 years ago but she is still a lightning rod personality. I mean, she puts something on social media and instantly it has 5 million people watching it and TMZ is doing like a 30-minute show about it. Her drama with her father and all of that. I mean, she is still a, a very polarizing but ubiquitous star amongst the American culture, even though she's not still doing like current music. It is amazing to me that she would just be walking through and somebody would just be like, who's the crazy girl over there? Oh, it just happens to be one of the like 15 most famous people in the world of the last 20 years. Brittany's been through some stuff. Oh, like 10 times over, right? Uh, in 10 minutes, we're going to talk more about Max Clark, the Franklin, Indiana product. He went third overall last night in the Major League Baseball draft, the highest of any high schooler in this year's class. He is the second highest Indiana high school product to go straight from the high school ranks to Major League Baseball. Uh, Keem Gillespie's been covering the story for the last couple of years with the Indianapolis Star. He was down in Franklin last night. He's going to join us. Something I found interesting, this is a little bit more of probably a Major League Baseball-centric question, but he was drafted third overall, but the report is he's taking the fourth pick signing bonus. Now, not to act like he's you know getting chump change out of it. That's $7.7 million is the fourth slot signing bonus. The third slot would have been $8.3 million. But there was some rumor, I feel like, in the last kind of 72, 96 hours leading into the draft of, hey, could he go number one overall? And there's a financial component to that. So, again, we'll chat more with Akeem coming up. It looked like a pretty cool scene last night in Franklin as Max Clark... Uh, becomes the third overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft. So the Detroit Tigers farm system, he will start out most likely where? I thought I saw the path was, you know, obviously he's got like rookie ball, which, you know, I'd guess Arizona or Florida. But I want to say that their their top class A organization is in Lakeland, Florida, and then their double-A team is in Erie, and their triple-A team is the Toledo Mudhens. They... Okay, you got that right. You missed one. They they go Lake. He'll go Lakeland, Florida first. Actually, the rookie league. Um, I thought he said Arizona last night is where he's first off to, and then their high A team. Like once he eventually that's in gets West to high Mich- A. the West Michigan Whitecaps. Oh, I thought he said Arizona. The West, according to this, 
Oh, wait a minute. That's, yeah, yeah. According to this, their double A is Erie, their triple A is Toledo, their single A is Lakeland, and their high A is the West Michigan Whitecaps, which plays in the Midwest League. Now, uh, that's where, where I'm trying to see what town the West, oh, Grand Rapids, basically. Hey, uh, what's the beer that's big up there? Founders? Founders up there. You've got Two Hearted, Bell's Brewery. Yeah, up there Bell's as well. is big. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, I'm, it's kind of wild to look at last night in the Major League Baseball draft. You had the LSU guys go one and two. So for those that watched the College World Series, their ace went one, and then Dylan Cruz went number two, their hitter. Um, I mean, think about the competition those two LSU dudes faced versus what Max Clark just faced <laughs> Alabama versus Ron Colley. Is that what you're saying? The, Tennessee. They're the, playing Tennessee on a Tuesday. The Edinburgh Outlet Mall's he, number one pitcher there. That's right. He's playing Indian Creek. I mean, seriously. And I mean, he's going to Vanderbilt. Obviously, this kid has a crazy talent and is you know, torn up high school hitting and certainly has made a name for himself on the <laughs> travel baseball circuit, Team USA, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just a crapshoot of the MLB draft and how wild it is and projecting guys to that next level. So, again, we'll get more to Max Clark here in a few Let's hit a morning check down. Major League Baseball now at the All-Star break. The Cincinnati Reds are the leaders in the National League Central, despite yesterday the Brewers blanking them 1-0. But the Reds, who got a very unique and unusual Ellie De La Cruz triple steal, including a steal of home within two pitches um, Do you like the Ellie shirt I got? That is nice. Where did you get it? Uh, CincyShirts.com. I, I was fed an ad because I probably follow so many Reds accounts, and next thing you know, boom, this shirt is in my mailbox. Well, like I said, that works for them then, right? Mm-hmm. That, that target marketing. They're probably listening to your phone. Uh, Giants over the Rockies yesterday, one nothing. It was Pirates over the Diamondbacks, 4-2. Arizona now at the break, 52-39, and 39, a 571 winning percentage. Just behind the cute fella, Baltimore Orioles in our race for PBR. Baltimore, 54-35 and 35 at 6.07. The Oakland Athletics, who Kevin had selected at the beginning of the year, for those unfamiliar, we each took a team that was projected to win fewer than 75 games in the over-under. And Clearly the A's are on that on that they're the garage sale that nobody shows up to mm-hmm. <laughs> red Sox 4-3 over the athletics i saw somebody had a garage sale the other day. it was pouring down rain they just left everything in the yard i thought that's when you know that you're like you know what to hell with it just take it all cubs over the uh, yankees 7-4 and cardinals over the white Sox 4-3 indianapolis indians 13-5 short end memphis excuse Redford. me sir i'd like this t- with this waterlogged dean coons book please <laughs> Really interested in reading this. Coco Mellon was in the building at Victory Field yesterday, so who cares about the score? That's all that matters for uh, the young children out there. Uh, the Fever, they lose another one. That's now seven straight. It was a close game with Dallas last night. They had a chance there late. Lexi Hall missed a three from the corner. Uh, so seven straight losses, 5-14 and 14 on the year. On the flip side of that organization, um, you look at tonight, the Summer League schedule, 8.30 tip. The Orlando Magic, that's who the Pacers will face. It is an NBA TV game out in Summer League, so certainly check your listings from that standpoint. But the Pacers did get things underway over the weekend, and Jairus Walker, probably the individual highlight, not shooting the ball from the floor, uh, but did a little bit of everything and stuff in that stat sheet. Again, I thought Doris Burke had a great quote to kind of sum up Jairus Walker's performance of he is easy to play with. 
great help side defender, gets his hands on a ton of balls, makes the right plays offensively. Uh, I thought Jarris Walker had a nice debut for the reasons why you want him to be a pacer. I, he His motor never stops. That's the big thing about him, right? And I know it's summer league, and you know he's playing against guys, many of which will not be in the league itself, but... You can teach and develop a lot of things. You can't teach and develop energy, and that's the one thing that he showed he has. And he looks like he's 35 years old. I mean, that's I just look at him and I'm like, that dude's that dude was like in high school a year and a half ago. Did you catch the – he shot the one free throw before the commercial break, came back, shot the next one. Everybody had forgotten that he already shot one, so he misses it and then like lays it in, and they had him mic'd up. It was a pretty funny moment of him trying to – uh, demonstratively get the referee's attention of like, I already shot that free throw. I already <laughs> shot it. That basket's good. It was one of the few baskets he scored, but again, helped out in Did a lot of different areas well. uh, for the Pacers as they beat the Wizards in game one. Uh, Jake, you got NASCAR over there? I, I do. Scotty finally, Scotty Johnson, gotta love him, right? He sends us the, the daily reports overnight and he, I, I'm not going to say he forgot to put the NASCAR scorebook in there but i i couldn't i didn't see it and i'm like what the hell is going on and then scotty heard it and so scotty has now sent it so yesterday in atlanta it was a rain shortened race but william byron is your winner daniel suarez was second aj allmendinger third uh mark dykton please give me number one through 36 for yourself of a lifetime supply of a fabulous sponsor 27 number 27 the 27th finisher last night yesterday i should say was tyler reddick uh oh how about this you win a lifetime supply of the beast unleashed Oh, well, I'm googling that right now. William you know, Byron I, sounds like the founding chapter of like Beta at Georgia. Oh, William Byron, he has founded the Beta. <laughs> oh, it's Monster Energy Drink. Okay, it's, oh. a, it's a Monster Beer. Well, that could be. William Byron is my buddy Mike Byron's uncle, by the way. Not literally, he has an uncle Billy. Uh, number for you, Kevin. One through thirty-seven. Uh, let's go with twenty-four. Number twenty-four for Kevin Bowen. Uh, Ryan Priest, you. Well, this is not bad. You've won a lifetime supply of Sony Mobile. Oh, okay. How about right. that? Yeah. And for myself, Mark, give me a number. Uh, 32. Number 32, the 32nd place finisher, Cole Custer, who has without doubt the greatest NASCAR name of all time. Cole Custer. But there's a monument for him there in the Dakotas. Uh, Jacob Companies. Well, that's perfect. What, what is the Jacob that? Companies? Can you look up what that is? I used is? to love my Sony PlayStation back in the day. <laughs> did they, what about the... The PlayStation Five? Did they ever put those out, or did they just have everybody buy them for Chris or for Christmas? I've and then still never, never physically seen a PlayStation Five. Right? Gosh, I didn't even know we were at a fifth one. Uh, did you look I, up don't, the- I looked. I looked up Jacob Companies and it says we build, and it's a picture of the Dolphins Hard Rock Stadium. So they build. You know, Hard technically Rock speaking, you guys are, are. Well, my name's not Jacob, but Jake Company this morning, right? Sure. You're in the company of me. Uh, we'll talk to Max Clark here in a few minutes. Number three overall pick last night in the Major League Baseball draft out of Franklin High School right here in Indiana. We'll do that on the other side. Kevin. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Corey, on a beautiful Monday. Well, it was a busy Sunday night here from a local standpoint for our next guest, Keem Glasby, who covers 
a little bit of everything for the Indianapolis Star, but I would say part of his recent beat coverage has been that of Max Clark, the high school standout from Franklin, Indiana, who went number three overall last night to the Detroit Tigers. Akeem was down in Franklin for that. It was quite the scene. He joins us now. Akeem, if you don't mind, I thought you did a great job last night, you know, giving us some pictures and videos from... I, I guess was it was that Max's house you originally at, and then you went over downtown Franklin to a pretty cool kind of fan fest event where Max spoke and signed some autographs and yeah, did the whole hubbub. So if you don't mind, let's begin there. What was kind of the scene setter last night for finding out Max went number three overall to a little bit of a tour of downtown Franklin? Yeah, um, it was uh, quite the event. I would say there was uh, probably a couple hundred people gathered at Max's house and. Uh, you know, just uh, being around Max, he's, he's very comfortable in the spotlight and, and around, you know, uh, people. And uh, you just seem very cool and calm and collected for someone whose life was about to change, you know, uh, in, in a couple hours. So, yeah, he, he definitely, you know, kind of uh, embraced the day and enjoyed it. But I would say once the draft got closer, you know, things start, the tension started to set in a little bit. But uh, luckily for him, he didn't have to wait very long with him uh, being drafted number three overall. And then that's kind of when the party really started, you know, more pictures and whatnot and then yeah a limo ride downtown to downtown franklin where there was you know probably 500 uh you know fans and local supporters out there to cheer him on and he, he definitely took the time to sign a lot of autographs and adjust the crowd and it was just kind of a a great scene kind of a you know a greeting of a local celebrity so to say and uh the, the franklin community has definitely supported max and embraced max and he does the same for them he seems very appreciative of you know all the support that they give him Akeem, for those that are unfamiliar, this is the kind of player that is being drafted very high, Detroit taking him third overall, because of his ability to power hit, because of his ability to placement hit, because he's a multiple like Mike Trout five-tool type player. What is it that is his selling feature that has led to this kind of, obviously, prognostication of baseball success for him? Yeah, I would say that the five-tool potential is there in terms of um, speed, power, fielding, hitting, and, you know, uh, contact and arm strength. But right now I would say the only thing he's lacking is power. But right now he's a, a double-plus uh, fielder, a double-plus uh speed on the bases and that helps him you know translate to his fielding ability and his arm strength is kind of elite as well in terms of the way he can you know just make throws on the outfield and he was 95 miles per hour off the mound too as a lefty so that just kind of speaks to the arm strength that he has but it's really a contact over hitting ability over power hitting ability right now um he's someone who went over 600 as a senior in high school over 500 for his career he has just a, a great feel for the strike zone and the hand-eye coordination is elite so that's kind of he's kind of like a typical number one two hitter at the moment um but uh that power can develop over time and to make him a true five tool uh player eventually over 600 in high school (laughs) the high school stats are absolutely astonishing again more on max clark we've got akeem glaspie with us here from the indianapolis star and the payless liquors hotline Akeem, i was hoping you could get a little bit more into the draft aspect to it because it seemed like leading into Last night, there was still some like lingering chatter on he possibly could go number one overall, and that would have been the Pirates, obviously their AAA affiliate right here in in Indianapolis. So, as best you know, could you kind of fill us in on a little bit more background on like the draft process for him, the signing bonus element to it, why he was being discussed potentially at number one overall? 
Yeah, I mean, I would say in, you know, nine out of ten years, Max has a great chance to go number one overall. Again, just with his five-tool ability and just uh, everything, the intangibles, the work ethic, everything he brings. But, you know, there were two really talented college players ahead of Max and uh, LSU pitcher Paul Skeens and LSU outfielder Dylan Cruz. But, you know, up until shortly before the draft, there was still a possibility that Max could go number one because uh, in the MLB draft, you know, each draft slot, draft slide is slotted, you know, by a certain value in terms of the amount of money that they could pay each player. And it was reported that, you know, Dylan Cruz wanted, you know, over the slot value, which would be like over $9 million. And, you know, Max being uh, a high school player, he might've been able to take a deal for under that slot. I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, the Pirates go with Paul Skeens, but uh, it, it could have been a money thing, you know, in terms of giving Max an under underslot uh, value contract and then using the savings to, you know, spend more in the later round. So that's where it gets a little tricky with the MLB draft. It's not always about, you know, taking the best player. You kind of have to negotiate and uh, get, get the deal that serves the team the best. And ultimately, you know, the Pirates went a different way. But, for, yeah, for Max, it was definitely it was definitely a good chance he could have went number one, uh, and he didn't really find that out until yesterday. Okay, and then I think you, you mentioned this last night. He went number three overall, but his signing bonus is the number four signing bonus. Could you explain a little bit the reasoning behind that? Um, yeah, um, so that, uh, again, that kind of comes into the – the, the the slot games that that are being paid um i uh so if you go number three you know obviously has a certain value and number four has a slightly less value so i guess that's kind of just maybe taking a team-friendly contract in that way as because you know if he, if he would have been drafted a little later then uh the value decreases by each pick so i guess it's just kind of just taking a you know helping out the team a little bit and signing uh under value instead of going over value um I guess uh, it, it comes down to leverage and things like that. I mean, Max was committed to Vanderbilt. Uh, he could have obviously, you know, chosen to go that route. But it's uh, high school players, they have some leverage in that way. But ultimately, you know, he decides to take a contract that maybe helps out, you know, the Tigers a little bit. $7.7 million, by the way, is that signing bonus for the fourth slot. Okay, so my question on is this, and I've, I've never fully understood this. In the Major League Baseball draft, I mean, obviously you have players being drafted out of college. You have players being drafted out of high school. What is the time frame in terms of when a player has to decide whether or not he goes and honors his college commitment? And then if that's the case, what is it, three years before he can re-enter the draft and, and do it all over again? Um, I, I believe it's uh, – if, if you're an older freshman, if you're 19, then I believe – you can sign after two years. So I think you have to be 21 or, or 20. I'm not exactly sure. But, yeah, it's either two or three years that you have to honor your commitment to college. And, you know, to declare for the, the – there's no really, like, written process. You kind of are just uh, available to be drafted. So, you I mean, you can get drafted and still choose to attend college. Or, obviously, once you sign your pro contract and you're a, a pro player. So that's kind of the process there. And, you know, high school players like to uh, kind of – you know, keep it vague and use their college commitments as leverage to make teams maybe go over slot to sign them away from a, a, a school. That's what they say. They're kind of signing them away or out of their commitment to college. So it's it's all kind of games and um, semantics and things like that in terms of, you know, how much money they can get and how much money they command. Okay, let me read off to you guys some names here. And once I'm done with the names, Akeem, Kevin, both, you guys tell me which one you think is the best player, Okay. Uh, over the course of baseball, like history, if you will. Uh, Dustin Hermanson, Troy Glouse, Corey Patterson, 
Uh, Donovan Tate, who is the son of former running back Lars Tate. Trevor Bauer, uh, Manny Machado, Steve Avery. Any of those jump out at you? Certainly Machado. Uh, uh, I mean, Bauer, Glass, uh, Corey Patterson. The, they were all recognized. taken third overall. Oh, well, I, I would say that's that's pretty good history. Pretty good company, right? Yes, I'd say so. Uh, Akeem, the other one that I was kind of curious about, and this dates back to the fall. I mean, Max Clark decided to play high school football. I mean, the dude just signed a signing bonus for $7.7 million, and here he is trying to move the chains against, you know, Danville on a Friday night in late August. Obviously, I absolutely love the fact that he was, uh, you know, willing to play a second sport. Certainly, he's risking a whole lot there by that. Do you know, was there like any sort of insurance policy with that? Um, I know he had some commitments with baseball. They didn't play the full high school season, but he still played a good amount of games when he was available to play for Franklin. Yeah, I would imagine that, that he would have an insurance policy. I, I actually never asked him that, but I know that there was no hesitation in terms of him suiting up to play football his senior year. I mean, again, he's someone who's very community-driven and kind of just uh, really believes in, you know, honoring his community and where he's from, and he takes a lot of pride in that. So he grew up with a lot of his friends, you know, through youth ball, playing through as kids and up through high school and middle school and whatnot. So it was really important for him to kind of have that senior season, and I guess it just kind of speaks to him as a person that, yes, with uh, literal millions of dollars on the line that he's uh, out there breaking tackles and lining up at wide receiver. And, he's, I mean, he's the best athlete on the field, so I guess the, the risk is a little different than, you know, if me or you are, are suiting up out there. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, kind of just speaks to his, his character that he decided to do that, you know, to help out his team in any way he could. So what is the immediate future then for him? He ends up going where, and that begins when? Uh, I would imagine he'd be headed to rookie ball in Florida. That's the uh, Florida Complex League. Uh, relatively soon, uh, you know, there might be some type of uh, instructions and, and, and whatnot, you know, uh, orientations with the team and whatnot. And then uh, he'll be in Florida at rookie ball. And, you know, he could kind of – his play might dictate how long he's there. Uh, he could be, you know, the rest of the season. It could be a couple weeks. And then the, the next stop would be low A baseball. And then from there, he just continued to climb the ladder, you know, from high A to double A to triple A, and then hopefully one day to the majors. Akeem Glaspie's our guest. He's on the Payless Sugars Hotline. We're talking about the Major League Baseball draft. Max Clark going third overall out of Franklin Community High School to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Akeem, I've always wondered this, and I'm curious just in covering this story and talking to people how big an issue it is. And I'm almost embarrassed to ask it because it's such a simple thing. How much does – if a kid knows that he is a major league prospect and he's playing in high school where you can use aluminum bats, and I, I have no idea, do higher prospect high school players start converting, converting to wood bats or have they already done that? Am I, is this the dumbest question ever? Because I would think that there is a hitting difference with them, correct? Yeah, I mean, I would say when you're playing with your high school, it's pretty much strictly aluminum bats. Um, I'm sure, you know, when Max, Max is on the showcase circus and, you know, other top prospects are playing certain showcases where the wood bats are permitted, then they'll use wood bats there to kind of, you know, get the, the exit velocities that correlate to using wood bats. Because, yes, if you're using aluminum, those will be kind of, you know, accelerated a bit. But uh, when you're playing high school, it's pretty much exclusively aluminum. It's quite the scene last night down in Franklin, Indiana, and Akeem Glaspie from the Star painted that picture uh, for you guys, certainly from a readership standpoint. Also, if you follow him on social media, I uh, did a great job with that. Akeem, I know it was a late night for you, so I appreciate you waking up with us here on this Monday morning and, and sharing more about Max's story. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys.
Keem Glaspie right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, Jake, $7.7 million was the signing bonus if he would have been in that third slot. He did go third overall, uh, but the finances that Akeem was explaining there, $8.3 million. So probably a little bit different than working at, you know, Hillview Golf Course or washing carts at the Legends down in Franklin. When's the last time you swung a baseball bat? Oh, it's been a while. We did a little wiffle ball a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's been we play, it's softball count. We played at a Midwest Sports Complex yeah. in softball. The, I mean, like I mean, slow pitch softballs. It's a it's a weirder way to hit the ball, right? Like it's kind of weird the way it comes down. That was hell. It was probably eight or nine years ago at this point. You know. I need to get in the batting cages. You, well, years ago, that's that's my point. So what I was going to say is years ago, uh, actually, Chris Farkas, bingo card. Oh, boom. When, when Chris Farkas got married, he got Took married. off at, the butt in the batting cage. <laughs> part of the bachelor party. He did, well, at his, it wasn't a bachelor party, but at his wedding, we went, we all went out and he got married in Pennsylvania. And there was like a family fun park next to where his wedding was going to take place. And they had a batting cage. And... I'm I mean, sure the bride I, loved this idea. We hadn't done batting cages forever, right? My but all my buddies that I grew up with, and the, you could set the speed of the batting page batting cage. This was like an official, like it was it was a cool batting cage because it had an actual baseball field out that you were hitting into. So it was like a like a back nine of baseball, if you will. And we set the thing at ninety. That was the top speed that you could hit. And like the, the the thing would come up, the arm would come up, and I kid you guys not, like by the time you saw the baseball and it was about to be released, it was past you. It was the most unbelievable. I mean, how many people have ever tried to hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, right? And right then I was just like, holy cow, like the, the hand-eye coordination. I remember finally we took turns in the batter's box and the person would stand behind to tell you, like, swing now, like now. Because if you waited to see when the ball was – if you waited to see the ball, it was past you. Finally, if you made contact with it, it was gone because of the speed coming in off your bat. But my point being, the hand-eye coordination that I th- to hit a high-speed level pitch like that has to be one of the rarest skill sets possessed in sports, which is why a guy that can do it gets – money right up front and then the journey begins right harder than than returning a Djokovic serve probably the same thing right I mean basically boy that's a that's a good point because a Djokovic serve you've got a very finite area where you're allowed to hit it and it's a much bigger area where you can place making contact with it making contact in either one is that's a good question I mean I, I think if you if you took just the average fan out of a stadium, just randomly picked somebody and put them in the batter's box in a major league game, their ability to even make contact with a pitch is probably in the same minute percentage as if you took somebody out of the stands at the U.S. Open and had them try to return a Djokovic serve. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's, it's not going to end well on, on, on either Either occasion. front, correct. Yeah. You've been watching any of the Wimbledon? I have not seen in the last couple of days, which, again, I know I say this every time, but like that was just such appointment viewing for such a major part of my life. 
Have you watched? A little bit. You know, I'm always curious. I love know, it. I mean, we, I love high-level tennis. Will we ever find that next American male that, you know, hits that stage? I believe there's only one left. Chris Eubanks, who I think, is actually playing right now. Uh, and what, we aren't even to the quarterfinals? Which is pretty par for the course yeah. from the Americans over the last decade or so. And I think we only have two women left. Jessica Pagula, who is the daughter of the Bills ownership team there. Uh, then Madison Keys, I saw one earlier today. So, yeah, Wimbledon in the second week here, as that is your morning coffee, if you will, from a sports standpoint this week. All right, we'll continue some Pacers chatter, set, you know, set the scene for the second summer league game of their slate coming up later tonight. We'll do that here coming up. Kevin Aquari on a Monday, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. File this under Learn Something New Every Day, Kevin. I always wondered where Wimbledon is. Like, was... And maybe I'm the only one that thought that. Like, it, I, I mean, I always assumed it was in London, but like, is Wimbledon like a little town? Is Wimbledon just the name of like? Did Jim Wimbledon build a stadium? Do you know the answer to that? Either one of you guys? No, I, I thought last week you were going to give us an education on um, Wimbledon. Weren't you arguing with Scotty about that? Yeah, I, I, I kid you not. Like. Years ago, I looked it up, and, and everything I saw is Wimbledon. When I was a kid, I remember them always saying, like in TV, they would do like a thing during it about how the locals pronounced it Wimbledon. Hmm. But apparently that's gone by the wayside. Uh, Wimbledon Park is a park in suburban London. There's a Wimbledon Park Lake, and it's a huge park. It looks like Central Park, for example. And then just in the outside of the park is, of course, the All-England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club and Wimbledon Center Court. That would be an awesome... It would be like almost bucket, lib, bucket list level, would it not, to go I feel and like see I that? would get in trouble pretty quickly after walking in the gates, though. Yeah, like you... Uh, you can't touch that, sir. Yeah. No, uh, no, you're not wearing the right right attire. That, that's, that's a fair assumption, right? How long for Wimbledon? Is it uh, Indy 500 status? terms of oh gosh it's been around longer kentucky derby status let's guess the first year of the wimbledon tournament i'm gonna say 1876 uh do you have a guess mark dykton 1905 your guess kevin yeah i guess somewhere between 500 and um indy 500 and derby because what derby's gonna be 150th holy cow Hold the press. Stop the press. The first year... Okay, the championships, known as Wimbledon, is the oldest tennis tournament in the world and is widely regarded as the most prestigious. It has been at the All England Club in Wimbledon, London since 1877. Don't think I even got my guess in before. I missed by... Just, well, I missed by a year. I mean, there was no way you were getting closer to that unless you rolled the dollar. Maybe I was saying 1877. Okay. So that is what. Do you guys ever thank yourself that you have morning access to this brain? I I think you look that up and then we're like, I just random guess. I can't get. I mean, I'm sure, obviously, I've heard that. I'm telling you, tennis was a huge deal in in my childhood. And the North Central Carmel tennis match when I was in high school was the deal. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I grew up in a tennis culture. I've touched a tennis racket once in my life. Eric Barrett sent me a serve, it went over his head. I returned it and it hung the basketball net behind him, and that was the end of it. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Uh, we'll talk more basketball. It could not be more perfect out to start a Monday here in terms of the weather. Good morning to you, Jake Query, along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton. 9 o'clock hour underway here in India. It's a 9 o'clock hour technically everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. Um, last week, we, we heard earlier in the program from Obi Toppin, newest pacer who comes from New York. Then, of course, the big free agent signing was that of Bruce Brown Jr., who comes from Denver. And he met with the local media. Was that Thursday, guys? Yes, Thursday Sounds last right, week. yeah. Mm-hmm. And thank you to the Pacers for having us out there and then afterwards allowing each of us the opportunity to talk to him. So I got a chance to talk to Bruce Brown Jr., who really nice guy. He had with him his agent. Um, family members were with him. And kind of a soft-spoken guy, but but really friendly. And I asked him a, a series of different questions to kind of get to know him a little bit and just find out exactly his thought process now of joining Indiana. This is a player that has played for the Nets, then went, obviously played with the Nuggets, wins a championship, now comes here. Tyrese Halliburton had called him because Halliburton knew that they had interest in Bruce Brown. Halliburton wanted to play with him, made a phone call, gave a sales pitch. The New York Knicks had also talked to Brown, but he chose Indiana. Part of that probably is the money that he's going to get. For the Pacers, they needed to meet a salary floor in terms of the salary cap. But also, my first question for him was this, and we had talked about this, guys, on the show. Whenever you win a championship, players get plucked away from championship-winning teams. And oftentimes, the fact that they were on a championship-winning team seems to prioritize for for a new franchise over exactly what they do. Because it's like, well, but the thing is, he just won a ring, so he's he's a winner. And then I think guys get miscast because they get placed into situations that are bigger than what they are used to being, and they're just not used. They're not able to handle that. And in the case of Bruce Brown, that was my question for him: was in terms of the role that he sees for himself with Indiana, is Indiana going to ask him to be basically the same player he was in Denver, or is Indiana going to ask him to be a more elevated role, which asks more of him than what he has been used to? And here's what Bruce Brown had to say about it: um, I think that'd be up to coach um, or what I do on the court. Um, I don't really see it in any kind of way on the offensive end. Um, but defensively, KCP was just start starting on the best offensive player. And this next year, I'll be doing that, hopefully. Um, so on the defensive end, yes, uh, a big step up. But the offensive end, um, if it happens, it happens. By the way, he's talking about Caldwell Pope there and when he says KCP, former teammate in Denver. You know, I think something, maybe watching Saturday night, or, yeah, Saturday night. It got me thinking with the Pacers Summer League. You know, and Jairus Walker and Bruce Brown, they have got two different body types of guys that excel in the defensive end of the floor. And I think when you think about the guards and the wings of the Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum types, I do think those will be kind of Bruce Brown sorts of assignments. You know, maybe a Giannis falls a little bit more into the Jairus Walker type of assignment. 
Um, a little bit of a longer guy that could, you know, I don't know, just hope and pray that does something to slow him down. But it's like now we talk about the Patriots with legit options. And I don't think we've had that in several years for them from a defensive standpoint. And it's versatile options that, you know, I feel like the Pacers have often been hunted from an opposing offense that says, oh, wait, I'm going to find, you know, the weak two, three defenders. Oh, wow, you have a lot of them out on the floor. Uh, This is going to be easy to try and get that matchup that we want to exploit, whether it's, you know, whatever. We want Sabonis guarding a guard or, you know, something like that. And I feel like when you're able to put a Bruce Brown out there, you're able to put a Jairus Walker out there, now you limit the other team's ability to, again, try and kind of play that, you know, checkers versus chess game with you because that is so much of what I think the NBA is about advantage-wise. Hey, try and create that with you. Um, Bruce Brown seems like a pretty serious dude, Jake, when he was meeting the media. Just seems like like nothing crazy expansive with his answers. Uh, Loves country music, right? He does. Big fan of that and is a guy that I think is pretty all business. Seemed very down to earth. I mean, just very like not overly caught up in um, the hype, so to speak. Just kind of focused on what he needs to do. That includes his defense, which is something that, you know, it's one thing to have the athleticism and to have the ability defensively. It's another to know that you the defense is your calling card and to have just strictly a mentality about it every time you step on the floor which it appears as though that's exactly the thought process when it comes to defense of Bruce Brown Jr. Yeah. Clearly that's how you see it too. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a defensive minded player. Um that's how I got my niche in the league. That's how I've stayed in the league. So um I don't really worry about the offensive end. I'll take care of itself, but the defensive end is where I pride. Now the thing is with that when you go out on the floor and you're playing defense like that, you're always trying to overcome somebody, right, and shut them down. And for Bruce Brown Jr., I think the thing that's interesting, former five-star recruit, then goes to Miami, plays at Miami a little bit off the radar, later round pick or later pick in the NBA draft, and now what I believe is what his third team in four years. So question is, Bruce, are you kind of a guy that's always having to prove yourself? I think it's just always me trying to prove myself um, and then prove to other people that how good I am. Um, and that doesn't change here. Um, I still got to prove that I can do it on both ends of the floor, but definitely the defensive end um, and, and uh, have a huge impact on, on this team. Do you remember David West? <laughs> sure, yeah. It, it, it seems to me like he has kind of a David West type mentality. Like David West was clearly the adult in the room, right? Oh, yeah. Although, Capital A D U L T. There were times with David West where I felt like he he was a little more bark than bite, but he did have a tone about him. Thaddeus Young is the same way, right? And the Pacers lack that, Kevin. They've lacked that, right? They who who was there? You know, who's the guy? Did you, last year if there had been problems in the locker room, who was the guy that you felt like was going to stand up and, and be like, no, it stops right here? Who was that guy? Yeah, I mean, probably you know, George Hill or James Johnson. You know, you got to go way down the bench for that. I don't know if TJ McConnell would fall into that boat. I mean, you tend to go with some veteran guys. Yeah, I obviously think Halliburton will continue to grow into wanting more of that. Um, you know, I think on the floor, they've got some guys that just bring a presence. Like, I think TJ McConnell brings a presence on the floor of a you know standard to play to. Benedict Matherin, I think, brings that. As well, I think a guy like Jairus Walker. I mean, you you watch him even in small burst on Saturday. You certainly see a guy that is going to kind of meet the. Yeah, 
I like watching him play. And I think Bruce Brown is is like that. You can't have a team full of those guys because you obviously need just some absolute you know, stud scores in an NBA that if you aren't scoring 110, 120 a night, you're going to get run off the floor. But over the course of an 82-game season where there's lulls and there's kind of quiet moments, guys that are just going to show up and give it 82 nights out of the year, that can be the difference where they're at from a standing standpoint. And obviously, I think we still have one big domino to fall, Jake, here in the NBA. Maybe two, if you want to throw James Harden situation in there. But the Damian Lillard one's a big one. And, you know, Lillard coming to Miami would certainly impact the Eastern Conference. I, I really think the goal for the Pacers this season should be a playoff berth that's not in the play-in. I, I, oh, I'd I, agree with that. I look at them and think five, six seed. And I think that's realistic. I think that should be the goal. Uh, Halliburton has done a lot of these various interviews now that he's out in Vegas, a little bit more kind of a national focus from it. And even just with his answers, and obviously it's good to hear if you're a Pacers fan, he's kind of like, all right, you know, enough of this. You know, we're Indiana. We surprised some teams last year. You know, here I am. You know, change of scenery for me. Like, it's time to now win. And it's time to learn how to win, know how to win, get used to that, play in bigger moments, all of those things. I think the whole plucky, cute story from last year can kind of be put to the side now. It's time to have some tangible results. You know, the for guys like Brown, and, and I think those results come partially, Kevin, in solidifying your roster, perhaps moving forward. Rick Carlisle had said on Thursday that he thought it was possible that they could move up into the 45, even 50 win range. If that were the case, then certainly you're talking 4-5 seed in the next step of this Pacers rebuild. For Brown, you look at it and you go, okay, so the New York Knicks called. Tom Thibodeau's a defensive-minded coach. Seems like that would be a fit. Madison Square Garden's probably the coolest venue in basketball and certainly New York is the media capital of the world but he chooses the Pacers which leads to the question for Bruce Brown Jr. what exactly drew him to Indianapolis? Uh, just the perfect fit as I said the first the number one in transition um, I love to get out and run um, throw lobs just have fun out there um, and then the players here they want to win um, Buddy, Miles they've been the league for a few years so just try to come here and help Two-year deal, right, Kevin? Yeah, second-year team option, which, again, that is something that I don't think you can overlook if for some reason this does not go according to plan or, you know, you hate to think like this, but, you know, what if there's a big injury that happens to your team and all of a sudden the Pacers aren't in that 5-6 seed and they miss the playoffs and now you're like, oh boy, we're kind of resetting some things. Then you can maneuver how you would like to. So in both these moves, the trade for Obi Toppin, and the deal for Bruce Brown, nothing is on the books outside of this year. And then in Bruce Brown's case, you've got a team option if you want it for next season. Pacers got tons of cap space. Tons of cap space next year. And that's with Halliburton's extension kicking in. And so that makes you wonder if Bruce Brown doesn't go into this year. You raised the point, Kevin. I thought it was a great point last week when we were talking about it. You're like, look, does he basically see this as yet another contract year? Because even though he got the big contract... He wants to extend it perhaps even more so. Uh, so that is the question for Bruce. Is it a contract year for him? Listen, I, I need to prove myself every year. I'm, every time I'm out on the floor, and, I'm, and I will do that. you got to like that answer, Straight right? to the point. Yeah. I like the uh, Pacers jerseys the other night in Summer League. What did you like about them? I, I just thought they were clean and crisp. Simple. Just aggressive navy blue. The gold stood out. 
You know the Pacer jersey? I thought the letters weren't anything crazy. I was a fan of them. The Pacer jersey that doesn't get enough love is... And they, I think it was like 85, 86, 87. So like a three-year stretch where they wore them. Reggie wore them as a rookie. I think of them as the Wayman Tisdale jerseys. But they were like a royal blue, and they had pacers across the chest, and it had kind of the, the, the in-motion print, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know. I think yeah. that's an underrated... And it's the, probably the, a similar time frame to this hat, right? The, the corduroy hat? Yeah, the corduroy hat, there's 87, 88. That hat is sweet. I also like the Pacer shorts that has the the old Pacer logo on the hip. Like that's the way to go with that. Hmm. As opposed to on the closer to the knee. No, or, like on the side. Like the 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 there was like maybe oh, one you, year. You, you don't mean like the hip of where you would wear the shorts. I see what you're saying. Like on the yeah on the side the uh-huh. side hip. Um, listen, these are all things that you know Bruce Brown in terms of the jerseys that he's going to wear. Um, places where he might be able to watch live music maybe restaurants there you know there's all kinds of things to know about a city when you are coming into it for the first time i don't know how much bruce brown uh knew about indianapolis other than the fact that it wasn't new york and he turned down the knicks to come here so i guess that's the question what's he know about our fair city i need to learn a lot i don't really know too much about the city um except the indy 500 the colts now i hear you like country music love country music so, so if you were to go to a concert here, who would I would be? definitely uh, it'd be Luke Holmes, Morgan Wallen. But I, I literally go to all of them. Like, so, I like Farm Aid is supposed to come in here. Will you go to that? Who's that? Farm Aid's like one of these conglomerate. Oh, when it's got that? like a, I think it's. I don't know. They're supposed to announce it later today. I might be spilling the beans. I don't. Know. I would. I would go. Yes, 100. percent All right. So we need to make sure you get to Farm Aid. That's yes. I would right. definitely be there. If all right. Country's there. I'm there. Welcome to Indianapolis. Thank you. Now I don't know for certain is Farm Aid coming here. I, I had heard a rumor of that. So you're last throwing week. out rumors. Just well, that's what you're doing. Yeah, like I heard a rumor about it, and then I don't know if that if hey, that ever happened. Anything to get Bruce Brown to Indy, right? <laughs> right. Like maybe that's just what they said to him. You probably they just come the here. beans to Farm Aid. Like we're going to Indy. Who told us that? Yeah, they I, used I, to. Um, do they still sell like the big mega ticket uh, out there at Ruoff? You know, uh, X like amount a of season your, pass. Well, like it was. I think it was more of a country centric pass. Oh, really? You know, what you got eight to ten acts. I don't Do know. Do you guys like country music? No. Uh, not not to the degree that Bruce Brown does, no. Mark, wow. Like, you, you hesitated none on that. Not a big country guy. I mean, a summer, a you know, 90 degree day when you're out by the water, this and that. I, I can listen to a couple country songs, but I can't say I'm dialing it up much more than that. You know, I think of that one song about the fella talking about how a long neck ice cold beer never broke his heart because mm-hmm. I've heard it every commercial break for four yeah. months. And uh-huh. that is Luke Combs, right? Is that Luke Combs? I have no idea. He's the guy, the the big dude. College game day, they had him on this year. See, uh, to me... Gosh, we're nearing college football. There there are several of these guys, to me, that like now are all in the same... And I'm sure people that are country music fans would like throw me down a flight of stairs over this. But like the Luke Combs, and then there's... Isn't there a Dirks Bentley fella? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... He's got a popular bar in Nashville. You know, there's like these like early to mid-30s aged... Not like heart, not like the the Hank Williams style country music, but more of like the pop country, like the George, Florida Georgia Line level country music. Like they all kind of go together in my mind. We haven't chatted about it a whole lot today. I know the pop quiz coming up in a bit, but Pat Fitzgerald is he going to get fired? Whew. It's Those new detail, let me, new let me, details seem like yeah, that could very much happen. And, and Mark, here's. I, 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 I want to just hit on Mark's point right there. He said new details. 
new details that I guess the university just bypassed in its original investigation. It almost seems like, oh, wait, our student newspaper found that out? Oh, we, we didn't find that out originally. Let me rethink the two-week yes. suspension for our head football He's coach. Not good when the university president's like, I think I erred in this two-week suspension. It's like, yeah, you probably did. Here's Here's the challenge, guys. And part of this is the fault of universities. Fault of, part of this is the fault of sports. Part of this is the fault of society. And part of it is the fault of no one. We have long since surpassed the era where a football or a basketball coach at a university is making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and then is augmenting that salary or adding to it by running a shoe camp or wearing a sweater with a couple logos on it. These are multi, multi, multi-million dollar positions. So as a result of that, the person who holds on to them is going to do everything they can to hold on to that position, Bob Huggins. And the schools are going to make sure that in the process of determining discipline of those and et cetera, that they are doing everything they can to protect themselves because we now live in not only a very litigious society, but one that has given obscene amounts of money to officials within athletics and and in particular in college athletics i don't know pat fitzgerald we had him on this program a few months ago and i thought he was delightful on the radio that means nothing in terms of and that's the biggest thing that i think people fail to realize in all areas of sports that we cover when we talk about the athletes of particular franchises when we talk about the coaches we don't know these people behind closed doors we have no idea more often than not what they're truly like the challenge about the question of is he going to get fired is it's very easy when you read the allegations of hazing at northwestern football everything from guys having to get naked and do simulated sexual acts to guys getting singled out because they're freshmen underperforming and having to do extra stuff from a physical standpoint, it's very easy to immediately go, that guy's got to be fired. And the, the, the correct answer is, if these are proven to be true, then he has to be fired. But the immediate knee jerk of, we got to fire this guy, is a dangerous thing only because... There is no doubt if these allegations are true, he's gone. Didn't they say it was true, though? Why did they suspend him for two weeks in the first place? They suspended him for two weeks while they investigated it, once the allegations were surfaced. The challenge is this. When you have a football program of 100 kids, there are always going to be, and and I want to make very clear here, that this is not me saying that this is the case in any way, shape, or form. This is me simply presenting all sides of the spectrum. When you have a college football, a big-time Division One, Big Ten, Power Five program that has probably 100 scholarship players on it, there are always going to be 5 to 10% that are convinced that they are getting a raw deal. This guy doesn't like me. This guy, he chose a freshman to play over me. He he told me once in practice I wasn't working hard enough. Whatever it might be, you are always going to have, especially when you're talking about 18 to 22-year-old males, right? And so as a result of that, before you immediately react, 
and fire a guy, you have to wade through whether or not what you are hearing is an embellishment or a fabrication by somebody who has a vendetta against the coach or a program. Now, having said all of that, that's not to say that, and I want to make very clear, I'm not saying that's what the case is here, but what I'm saying is when you're talking about multi-million dollar contracts on the line and payouts and buyouts and et cetera, you've got to make emphatically clear that that is not the situation. And that requires a long, detailed amount of research into it that requires emphatic 100% lock-solid proof that these things took place. And it becomes a he said, he said, he said deal, right? Because you have some players that are like, this absolutely is true. And then others are like, it's not true at all. And, and, and the defense, now, do I think that this took place? I would say, yes, there probably is some, there, there absolutely appears to be a lot of smoke around the fire. But all I am saying is when you are dealing with the legal process of somebody now, at a private university, it's different than a state university. But when you're dealing with the amount of money that would take place in the buyout of somebody like that, you've got to make sure that you are absolutely certain and that you are doing it more on phone calls and footlockers. And and that's what they're doing, I would assume. Yeah, I thought the two weeks was odd. I thought indefinite suspension would have made more sense uh, in that case. Clearly, it was something Well, I pretty think what serious. happened was initially they said, you know, listen, somebody popped up and said something, so we're going to set him aside for two weeks while we try to figure this out, and then more stuff comes out, so then it's like, okay, we do... I think they used that two-week period to determine whether or not this was something they needed to to dive further into. And, and When the president's saying, I erred, that, that tells you everything that you need to know. I mean, I don't think it was taken as seriously as it should have that's probably true. At the start, and again, I thought the student newspaper, by all accounts, uh, did much more of an extensive job than the university has done so far. Uh, we'll obviously see how it plays out over the next month or so. You would think they would want something done before training camp starts for Northwestern, but I think we all can agree on this. The acts itself, uh, obviously alarming, but it's not like Pat Fitzgerald has been some college football coach that deserves to keep his job from an on-field well, standpoint. I mean, they won, what, one game last year? Correct. They won two Big Ten games over the last two years? Correct. But, Kevin, the reality is if, if these allegations are true, it doesn't matter what the record sure. is. But I think there is reason. It's not like you're holding on to Nick Saban here. Right. I, I get it. Although there was a time where that was thought of him, right? Uh, by the way, speaking of, while we're on the subject, I guess, of – um, investigations and things like that from a Big Ten standpoint. Uh, former Michigan State trainer Dr. Larry Nasser, who of course is serving over 100 years of a sentence in prison for sexual abuse of gymnasts at Michigan State University, uh, stabbed overnight in prison in Florida and is listed in stable condition but suffered stabs to the chest and the back yesterday. That would not be a good position to be at in prison with those charges against him and the arrogance of which he displayed in court. We will have the pop quiz coming up here in about five minutes. That's 317-239-1070 for that one. A pair of Eagles and uh, Steely Dan tickets. going to say, that? Mark, uh, October uh-huh. 9th, is that what you said? Yes, sir. October 9th over Gamebridge at Fieldhouse. Gamebridge Fieldhouse there. So. All week long. We'll be doing that each of the five days this week here on the pop quiz. Before that, morning check down.
Uh, Jake, should we start with Major League Baseball? I guess at the midway point now, although it's a little bit past that. Uh, your division leaders so far. You've got the Rays up two over the Orioles. The Guardians up a half game on the Twins. The Rangers are up two on the Astros. That's in the AL. Then in the NL, the Braves have the biggest lead of them all. They're up eight and a half on the Marlins. The Reds, despite losing their series to the Brewers this weekend, are still up one over Milwaukee. And out west, you've got the Dodgers and the Arizona Diamondbacks tied atop the NL West. ESPN had this stat. Five of the six divisions separated by two games or less at the All-Star break. That is the first time MLB baseball has had that since 1994. Really? So who has the biggest lead? The Braves. My buddy, Eight and a half. My buddy Paul Hurley would be excited about that. Diehard Braves fan. He's like the one diehard Braves fan I know. I know Braves fans, they're like, I love Maddox. He actually goes down, wears Hank Aaron jerseys, the whole deal. Uh, Indians lost yesterday, 13-5. They don't have another home game over Victory Field until July 25th. Mark, what are you him-hawing about over there? Well, you're, you're, ah, throw the swish. I'm like, I'm taking, people want these Eagles tickets. Hold on a second. I was going to say, I would think... We'd have some crowded phone lines. Too. I mean, that's impressive, right? That we have Eagles and Steely Dan tickets to uh-huh. give away? Yep. Uh, by the way, yesterday in NASCAR, Rain shortened in, they were in Atlanta, and the winner was William Byron over Daniel Suarez and A.J. Allmendinger. But give me a number 1 through 37 for a lifetime supply of a fabulous sponsor. Mark 19. Dyke. What's that? 19. Number 19. The 19th place finisher yesterday was Ty Dillon. You have won a lifetime supply of Ray's Energy Blue Shock. Man, I'm going to be like hopped up. I've got the <laughs> Monster are. Energy beer and I've got that. I might have to talk to a cardiologist. Uh, Kevin, well, I've got uh, Dr. Ottman. Give me his team. number. Uh, Kevin, give me a number 1 Let's through 37. Go to 11. Number 11 for Kevin Bowen. You, Eric Jones, was the 11th place finisher. You won a lifetime supply of Allegiant. I don't know if that's the airline or is that like an insurance? I I would hope. Airline would be great. Uh, Give me a number for myself. Uh, Let's go with 19. Number 19. Thank you very much. Um, Wait a minute. We already did 19. That was Ty Dillon. Uh, Let's go with 22. 22. Thanks for listening, Kevin. Chase Briscoe. Uh, I've won, how about this, a lifetime supply of the Magical Vacation Planner. Oh, that'd be good with Allegiant. You got some That's random right. ones today. That's right. I've got. A, I'm just going to get myself with no bags down to Savannah, one way for 58 bucks. Let's go. <laughs> right. Uh, last night, the Indiana Fever continue their losing streak. That's seven in a row for them. They lose by one to Dallas, five and fourteen on the year. On the flip side of that organization, the Pacers back in action tonight out in Vegas. It is an 8.30 tip with the Magic. That is on NBA TV, though. Uh, ESPN2 was the destination on Saturday night as the Pacers did win their first summer league game uh, over the Wizards. Jarris Walker, a little stat sheet stuffer with a little bit of everything from a rebound, assist, steal, and block standpoint. Benedict Mathern had 27. Again, we'll see if the veteran guys that are in the Summer League play tonight. Uh, three more games after tonight for the Pacers out in Vegas. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Steely Dan tickets, Eagles tickets to give away as mm-hmm. part of the pop quiz. 239-1070 is the telephone number. Uh, I have not looked at the pop quiz, so I don't know how manageable it is, but that's a pretty big... I mean, those are going to be like multi-hundred dollar tickets, right? A lot of baseball-centric questions on today's pop quiz. Okay. 239-1070, we'll do it next. It's Kevin and Query here, 93.5. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
97.5 The Fan. Scotty's wearing A's gear. <laughs> Hold on. Scotty's wearing a jersey of this guy, and he goes, well, he's kind of a scrub. So I look him up. Slade Heathcott's this fellow's name. Now, let me read you his bio. Sounds he played- like a fake name. During his junior year of high school, Heathcott was arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol and kicked off his baseball team. He also admitted to pointing a 12-gauge shotgun at his father during an argument. The Yankees found out about his alcohol problem when he blacked out and lost his passport the night before he was to fly to the Dominican Republic. Um, he began going to AA meetings. Um, that's good. And then he turned his life around. And um, While in a restaurant in Tampa, Florida, um, he met his eventual wife. They now have a son. But he batted. He had eight at-bats in his major league career. He's a career 400 hitter. Well, my advice for you this weekend uh, before going to Toronto would be not to black out the night before. <laughs> for that passport? That's a Netflix documentary I'd watch, though. Yeah, no kidding, man. Well, at least he got things turned around, which is good. Uh, pop quiz. This is big, the tickets to the Eagles and Steely Dan. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mm-hmm. feel like we're going to have some crowd of phone lines all week long. Jake, at number one through eight. Uh, we'll go with number three. Three, Mark. Colin. Colin. Hey, what's going on, guys? Colin, did you call in just because the tickets or because the love and the joy of playing the pop quiz? A uh, little bit of both. Should we believe him? <laughs> Colin, would you be more excited to see Steely Dan or the Eagles? I'd say the Eagles, man. <laughs> what's your favorite Eagles song? Oh, man. Um, not, I'd say Take It Easy has always, uh, has always been one of my favorites. Wouldn't most people say the Eagles? Like, with that answer, Jake? Probably, yeah. yeah. Have you ever been to Winslow, Arizona? I have not. I've been to Jerome, Arizona. If you've been to Winslow, Arizona, you just got to find yourself standing on the corner, right? <laughs> just, just sure. Yeah, yeah, I got you. They got a big <laughs> sign there with it, I think, actually. They have like a designated corner in Winslow, Arizona that says... Mark, you hesitated there. I just I just let it go at this point. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Colin knew what I was talking about. Colin, we're on the same page. Colin, I think I've asked you this before. What year did you graduate from high school? I graduated in 2003. Well, you're young in then. I'm impressed that you know the, the Eagles information there. Uh, sure. and So if you graduated in 2003, and you might have told us this before, that was from what school? Uh, Valparaiso High School. That's right, Valpo High School. So you were a Chicago sports fan growing up, is that right? Believe it or not, no. I uh, I always gravitated towards the uh, Indianapolis market, so I was always a Colts guy and a uh, Pacers guy, believe it or not, even during the uh, heyday of the Bulls. Okay, so you found yourself, I would imagine, a fan of Reggie Miller, maybe Jermaine O'Neal as well. Would that have been your wheelhouse? Yes, that's uh, Reggie Miller. I mean, I remember, yeah, the Smiths, uh, Reggie Miller, Davis Brothers, yeah, all that uh, fun stuff. So, Colin, you had to be close to Jeff Samarja at Valpo, right? I graduated with him, yeah. Okay, that was the same same year? Yep. I did not realize this. Do you know his brother Sam at all? I, I bring that up because Sam Samarja is the agent for Max Clark, who was just the third overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft. I don't know uh, really anything about Sam Samarja. Yeah, he graduated with, uh, he actually graduated with my brother in 99. Uh, yeah, great, great family. They're uh, two good dudes. Uh, pretty good athlete, I would assume? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, obviously, Jeff was a fantastic athlete. And uh, Sammy, yeah, he, played, he was a good, uh, good football player. I, I think he played college football somewhere. I, I'm not positive about that, though. Hey, what year did um, – didn't Valpo come to the state finals and lose to James Banks? Yeah, that was – oh, uh, was that oh one? I think that was 2001. Yeah, we played Ben Davis. Uh, we I, I wasn't on the team, but um, – 
Uh, yeah, I think that was 2001 or 2002. I forget which year it was. I mean, that dude. Is it the Vikings of Valpo? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Colin, thanks for uh, calling in, and congrats on the tickets ahead of time, and let's see how you're going to do on a baseball-loaded pop quiz. Jake, you want to toss number one out? Sure. Colin, do you ever wonder what those horns are on Viking helmets? Like, what what, what animal were they killing back in, like, the 1400s? Did we know? And and why why the horns on the side? Narwhals. I believe we, I believe we once learned that's Narwhals. fictional, by the way. <laughs> nice. All right, here we go, uh, Colin. The second no-hitter of the Major League Baseball season took place on Sunday. Name the team for which three pitchers combined on a no-hitter. So they did this. These were the pitchers, not the team that was no-hit. Did it happen for the Angels, the Orioles, the Tigers, or the Mariners? Uh, Tigers. Nice. Boy. Not a lot of confidence there, but good. Hey, that's a good, a good start, Colin. Uh, all right, number two here in Saturday's win over the Brewers, red shortstop Ellie De La Cruz, which I'm rocking the shirt right now, drove in the go-ahead run with a single in the seventh and then proceeded to steal second, third, and home. He is the first red to steal second, third, and home in the same inning since Greasy Neal did it in 1919, of course. Which Hall of Fame is Greasy Neal a member of? A, the Baseball Hall of Fame, B, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, C, the Cowboy Hall of Fame, or D, all the above? Cowboy Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, by the way. I'm going to settle down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which one you go with, Colin? All the above. Uh, big time wishbone coach. You know, really ran the wishbone, the fullback right. dive up the middle. And he coached a team that's the same name as the band that we're hoping to get tickets for, right? There you go. Uh, what you, uh, the answer, Colin, you said was what? All, all the above. <clears throat> okay. Uh, on this day in 1936, Indianapolis native and future Hall of Famer Chuck Klein became the fourth, fourth player in Major League history to hit four home runs in a game. Fourteen more players have homered four times in a game since Klein did it. But who was the most recent? Scooter Gannett, Josh Hamilton, Sean Green, or J.D. Martinez? Who was the who was the, who was the last one? Uh, the right one, J.D. Martinez. J.D. Uh, Martinez. Okay. <laughs> All right, Colin, number four here, MLB All-Star Game. Obviously, the Derby's tonight. The home or the All-Star Game itself will be tomorrow night in Seattle. The last All-Star Game to take place in Seattle occurred on this day in 2001 with the American League winning 4-1. Who was the MVP of the 01 MLB All-Star Game? Was it Ichiro, A-Rod, Cal Ripken Jr., or Pudge? Oh, um... Uh. No shock he played in this game. He pretty much played in every game. Who, who, are, they, who are they again? Uh, Ichiro, A-Rod, Cal Ripken Jr., or Pudge Rodriguez? Let's go Cal Ripken. Yeah, Cal Ripken. Okay, last question for you. Christopher Eubanks is the lone American left at Wimbledon. Name the last American to win a major men's singles title and then tweeting Anthony Calhoun afterwards because they're buddies. Andy Roddick, Jim Courier, Pete Sampras, or Andre Agassi? All right, I know that. Um, I thought he cussed there. Guy dated Mandy Moore at one point. Oh, uh, <laughs> pop culture. Hey, Rod. Brooke, uh, what's his current wife's name? Brooke, what, what's right. her name? Um, she an actress or a model? Why is Brooke Shields popping in my head? Is that right? That's Agassiz's wife. Oh. <laughs> Brooklyn Decker. Thank you. Brooklyn Decker. Thank, Thank you. you. 
Uh, Chris Eubanks currently down one set to none. Uh, he is in a tiebreaker here in set two as he tries to even things up uh, against this dude from Greece and his last this name. This dude is, from Greece. Uh, last name's hard to uh, hard to pronounce. It's got a lot of S's and I's in it, but he's good at tennis. Yes, Mississippi. Do you, know, do you guys know in what country fries were invented? No. Well, you would naturally think, right? Let me say Greece. In Greece, yes, that's correct. Okay. See, most people would say France, see, uh-huh. Mark, but it, we had the Greece lead in, so it was an obvious answer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin did pretty good, right? Uh, he did. Number two, though, he really didn't want to go for those hints, did he? Uh, he got every question correct. The Tigers, that J.D. Martinez, correct. Cal Ripken Jr., and see, Andy Roddick. Yeah. Correct, though. Yeah! But to be fair, all the above. You touch it? You're flying through these. I got to catch up with the sound bites. All the above is typically a common answer, but Jake, the answer to number two though with Greasy Neal, uh, Greasy Neal, but we're just we got grease all over the place. Uh, he was the head coach of the 1948 and 1949 NFL champion Philadelphia Eagles, and as a result, is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You Scotty it! has the most proud look on his face right Scotty's now. Scotty's so happy. <laughs> he's now, very- to be fair, with a name like that, he's got to be in the Cowboy Hall of Fame, right? It does sound like a cowboy name, doesn't it? Chris Eubanks just won the second set here. So the American clinging one set to one here as he tries to stay alive as the lone American left in Wimbledon. I believe Jake, once Chris Eubanks does lose, assuming he does not win at all, I think I saw it'll be the 78th straight major. That American male's not won. Yeah, that's, that's not good. Especially considering there was such a time period where it was dominated, for the most part, by American men. All right, we'll do it one final time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm here. Kevin Aquari on a Monday. It's Chris Eubanks, tall, tall dude here left in Wimbledon. 6'7 guy. I feel like those are the only American tennis players that have made runs recently besides Francis Tiafo is just like they serve really well but they can't do anything else. John Isner comes to mind. Do you remember Greg Rusetsky? That name rings a bell. Greg Rusetsky was I just remember and it was a big deal. The RCA Tennis Championships, when they came here, he was coming off of a tournament right beforehand. I don't know what would have been the tournament preceding the USA Championships or the RCA Championships. But he had set the record for fastest serve in tennis history. It's since been broken, I believe. But it was like... Hell, wasn't Roddick's up there for a while? Yeah, I can't. Roddick might have broken the record, actually. And I can't remember what the speed was. And he was a good dude. He was a nice guy. But, like, he came into the press conference after his – so the first match that he has, you know, the big selling point was he has the fastest serve in tennis history. And I want to say it was either 136 or 163. It had to have been 136, I guess, whatever the speed was. He comes out for the press conference wearing a shirt that just has 130, the number on it. And I'm like, okay, so he is proud of the fact, which was good. Um, and it was, but it was a big deal, right? 
that the fact that he but can you imagine trying to re, trying to return that but he was one of those that he had an unbelievable serve but then the rest of his game was probably average which right? you know i guess is pretty par for the course i feel like with you know if your strength is the serve you struggle in other facets you go out and play golf with people they hit the driver a mile they typically struggle with other parts of their game uh, but yeah chris eubanks the last american male left in wimbledon currently a one set all here i believe in round four so keep you posted on that end again home run derby picks for tonight i'm going with the home guy julio rodriguez I'm going Vlad Jr. I've put money down. Adolis Garcia of the Rangers. You probably got decent odds on that, right, Mark? 700. I was going to say, Alonzo's the favorite. Pete Alonzo. Vlad would be second on that end for the most part. Mookie is a pretty big long shot, which is kind of surprising to me. He's got to be the leader in home runs out of that group right now, isn't he? It's pretty close. I I don't think of him as like a... Yeah, I, I know he doesn't scream home run hitter, but... He certainly put up a big number here in the first half. I do always enjoy, usually there's like a family connection to at least one or two of the guys pitching to the uh, home run contestants. Was it Josh Hamilton's dad? Was he pitching to him? Didn't Pete Alonso's dad pitch to him, didn't he? Does he? Okay. Um, I I do always enjoy that aspect. Hey, Josh Hamilton, man, that guy had one of the more impressive, like, holy cow, you know what I mean? I mean, when I think of, you know, fond memories I have from my childhood, you know, sport, just childhood in general, it's going in the backyard and throwing the baseball with my dad. So um, I I do always enjoy that nostalgia aspect to uh, the Home Run Derby. Are there other, like, skills competitions that take place in the Major League Baseball All-Star Weekend? I guess that's it. Don't they usually do a futures game, but that's typically over the weekend? Futures and a celebrity softball. Yeah, both those already happen. Celebrity softball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What sort of D-listers do they get for that? Is Mike Michael Rappaport and Kevin Hart seem to show up at all of those type things, right? I feel like the um, the promotion person on the commercials uh, has been Macklemore for the All Star Game. Are right, you you ready? I got the list here. Who's okay. a Seattle native? Joel McHale, actor and comedian. Adam Devine, actor comedian. Chloe Kim, Olympic gold medalist. JoJo Siwa, social media sensation, it says. Uh, The Miz, WWE superstar. (laughs) Donovan Mitchell, NBA player. Zach Levine, NBA player. Jenny Finch, who's there all the time, Olympic gold medalist. Felix Hernandez, Brett Boone, Mike Cameron, Adam Jones, Ryan Howard, round out the MLB players. Okay, that finished strong there. Okay. Natasha Watley, Hmm. blessed, who is a Colombian reggae artist. I've never heard of them. J.B. Sachs. Christian Nodal, a Mexican singer and songwriter. Natty Natasha, global singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. Yandel, urban music legend. Uh, and Skylar Aston, actor-slash-singer. Okay. To be fair, I think it'd be kind of... Oh, wait, you're sending me to Seattle in the middle of July? I mean, I, yeah. Oh, dude. I mean, if I were famous, I, I could think of a lot of other better places I'd want to be. And I've been to Seattle. It's a great city, but Seattle this time of year is stunning, though, Kevin. Yeah, but it's I mean, beautiful. Like, there's a lot of other places I think I'd rather be if I were a A or B. I mean, it, celebrity. It Seattle. I'm telling you, if you have a chance to go to Seattle between June and like September, it's the best city in the country. It's gorgeous in terms of its aesthetic beauty. Absolutely stunning. I get it. I mean, it's not New York City or L.A. I, you know what I mean? I get it. But 
you know, how thrilled are people going to be to come play in the celebrity basketball game in Indianapolis oh, for yeah. All-Star Weekend? Yeah, yeah, good luck convincing people. Yep. You know. Uh, speaking of that, you think this is it for Matherin and Nemhard and those guys out in Vegas? Think, yeah, I'd say think... probably three games max, right? Oh, so you think one more? Maybe. I think tonight should, could be it. For and I heard Wemamiyama, like it was known ahead of time, he was only going to play in either two or three games. Yeah, the thing about Wemamiyama watching him, I know offensively he had a much better night last night. Defensively, it's at times it's like he's a cheat code. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he's just so, so long and can move decently. Obviously, he's not going to stay in front of a bunch of guards, but he doesn't need to because his length is just... I mean, he blocked a shot of Brandon Miller. It was Brandon Miller. It was just like rising into a three. Thought he could easily get it off. Boom. Webb and Yama sends it the other way. So that aspect to the game, I think, will translate pretty darn quickly. The The thing about when I was watching Webb and Yama, he looked in, in game number one. It's summer league, right? But the fluidity of which he has shown when you watch the video of him overseas, he looked more hesitant, quite frankly. And he looked at times a little bit more unsure of how to utilize his size. And there was a little bit of Sean Bradley in it where I was like, whoa, wait a minute. And then that quickly dissipated by game two. Like once he got comfortable, you you could see. I mean, he's going to be... It's a Britney Spears nerves. That's it. I mean, he's going to be... Once he gets it going, I mean, what do you do? He's hitting a 15-foot fadeaway, and he's 7. I noticed they list him now at 7-3. Wasn't he originally listed at 7-5? Do that's kind of irrelevant, right? But, I, you know, I saw people after game one, like, he's a bust. Ride him off. And I'm like, okay, let's pump the brakes here. I mean, Nothing says hot take like summer league first game I mean, do you remember, Scotty will remember, when Peyton Manning and, and Ryan Leaf played each other in a preseason game and Ryan Leaf had two touchdowns here and a spike in the ball and everybody in the RCA Dome was like, oh my God, we got the wrong guy. We got the wrong guy. And now... I mean, hell, you know, people probably said that about Peyton after year one. Yeah. Not necessarily that Leaf well, was better the, than Peyton as, as rookies. As the season but. went along, Ryan Leaf started to really show himself fairly quickly. Remember when he attacked the reporter from the San Diego Tribune? Knock it off! And then he had to like back him up, and yeah, he had some issues. Again, game one for the Pacers on Saturday nights. They got the W there. Benedict Matherin at 27. If I'm nitpicking a little bit, would like to see a little bit more playmaking out of him, getting others involved. With him scoring nearly 30 points in a summer league game, yeah, we all know he can do that. Um, Isaiah Jackson don't foul as much. Jairus Walker, really good defensively. Nimhard looked good. Yeah, uh, turnovers were, were high, but yeah, for the most part, um, he certainly looks like he can lead lead a team. And Ben Shepard, you know, maybe it'll take Benedict Matherin and those guys kind of exiting before you see more out of him, but he had a very quiet 0 for 4 in 28 minutes for the rookie out of Belmont. So I, 8.30 tonight, game two for the Pacers. Shepard's a guy that, I think it's interesting when we talked to his coach that said that he was their best defender because I think the thought process was they drafted him because he is going to be a spot-up second-unit shooter once he breaks into rotation. But I think wing defense is an area of need for Indiana and an area of opportunity, and it's going to be an area of opportunity for him um, if, in fact, he can carry over the kind of defense, big difference between the level in which he was playing it in college and the NBA. But if he can guard on the wing, he's going to get plenty of opportunity 
to, to show what he can do for the Pacers. Plus, I think it's just don't have as much liability out there defensively. And I think Shepard has competency, if nothing else, on that end of the floor. So 8.30 tonight, again, the Pacers, 8 o'clock, home run derby on these airwaves. We'll talk about it tomorrow. See you.